show. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing is all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck Show starts in three, two, one. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Hope you're doing well on this, uh, actually, a little bit over your overcast, a little bit cloudy afternoon here in the beautiful city of Fort Worth, Texas. Thank you guys all for joining us. I say it every week and I, I mean it a little more. Every Wednesday, it means a little bit more for you to join us here around Drag Racing's Water Cooler to talk about all the happenings in the sport, of which there are a plenty. Uh, join us in conversation, and as I say, share the gospel of drag racing. Uh, thank you guys a ton. If you don't mind, click like, click share, help us spread the message. If you're watching along on YouTube or via dragillustrated.com, please um, click subscribe, man. Join, Be a part of the movement so you get notified every single week when we do things like this. We are um, we got an action-packed show for you guys today, uh, which it's been, this may have been the first Wednesday, Wednesday in a hot minute that I genuinely felt like, oh man, we, we've got we've got to deliver. Like to one-up the last couple of weeks, we had Don Schumacher on here talking about selling his team. And then a mere seven days later, we have his son on here, Tony Schumacher, the Sarge, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, eight-time world champion, top fuel racer on here to talk about his first win uh, with a brand new team owner. I mean, it's just been one thing after another, but we're we're going for it, guys. We're going to do our best to deliver a barn burner as always. We're going to be joined in just a few minutes, I think about 10 minutes, by the one and only Alex Laughlin, NHRA top fuel sensations. got a deep, 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 long, historic resume in the sport of drag racing. He's won many of the big ones. He's won the World Door Slammer Nationals. He's won lights out. He's done many, many things. And this weekend, he's going to throw his hat into the ring with no prep kings as they roll into the next stop on season five of the show. They're rolling to Osage Casino, Tulsa Raceway Park for the filming uh, of the next episode of Street Outlaws, No Prep Kings. We will also be joined by a dear friend of ours here at Drag Illustrated, Victor Alvarez from Bradenton Motorsports Park. It's no secret he's been pouring tons of time, energy and resources into not really revitalizing, but just leveling up the, the beautiful facility down there in Bradenton. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals, the 51st annual Snowbird Outlaw Nationals. It'll be coming up this winter down in Florida. And what was a sellout program? He sold out 50 tech cards for this event for Pro Mod alone under five minutes. It is a murderer's row of Pro Modified badasses. If you haven't seen the list, log on to dragillustrated.com. Maybe uh, JT can throw the link to that post on the website in the comments because it is a it's a literal who's who uh, of the biggest names, some of the brightest stars the sport of door slammer drag racing has to offer. We will round out the show with a, a visit from another friend of ours here at Drag Illustrated, Doug Winters, pro mod veteran, a guy that is uh, has been integrally, integrally involved in 
kind of getting the NHRA Pro Mod operation headed in the right direction over the course of the last year. He's been a, a longtime competitor in the series. You've seen him in IHRA. You've seen him in NHRA. You've seen him in ADRL. You've seen him all sorts of different sanctions and series. Uh, great guy who's got a lot of insight he's going to share with us. And he's already on the property, from what I gather, at uh, Heartland Park, Topeka, for the next stop on the NHRA Drag Racing Tour. Um, before I get any further, though, real quick, huge shout-out to our sponsors. It's We can't do this show without these folks, guys, so make sure you support the companies that support us. You can see them over my shoulder. You can see them in the bottom of the screen. Stroud Safety, 100% made in America safety equipment, Elite HP, the world leader in new and used high-performance race cars, engines, and parts. Of course, Flow Racing, who will, uh, you know, I actually watched a whole lot of racing on Flow this past weekend. And of course, they'll be streaming a, a multitude of events this coming weekend, including the PDRA's return to Maple Grove, uh, Redline Synthetic Oils. Holy cow, Mark Beatty and the gang. We had Art from Redline on here a couple of weeks ago. Huge shout out to all those companies for supporting us and being a part of this and helping us do, like I say, the Lord's work, spread the gospel of drag racing. Before I go any further, let me check in with my uh, partners in crime here. What's going on, JT? What's up, Mike? What's up, dude? What's up? We Not got much, JT man. back. Got I know. JT I'm back, back baby. I'm back. Oh, he made it back. All tanned yeah. and, and you know ready to go from his month-long stint in Florida. I don't know about dude. ready to go, man. I kind of want to stay. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> it looked like fun, though. It was. I mean, He's going to buy a place down there now so we can all go. Maybe we'll shoot the yeah. show from there. Mike, turn the audio up on your. It feels like you're you're a little quieter than normal. Is oh, there a dial somewhere? Yeah, it doesn't even feel like your mic's working. Okay, give me a minute. Nope, it's better. Okay, maybe you just have to be closer to it. All right, let me crank it up. Just talk Is that better, better Mike. Is that better? Yeah, it's Sounds getting great, better. Buddy. Okay. Okay. Um, hey, guys. Uh, I think it's the software adjusting. It might be the software adjusting. Hey, thanks for joining me. Uh, before we get any further, hell of a weekend in the sport of drag racing, right? I mean, we see, uh, we've seen this a lot. And I've seen some posts on social media, and I just want to kind of get your guys' opinion. Uh, it feels like there's a unique moment in time happening. I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world. We're still dealing with you know, kind of the ramifications of the global pandemic. Now we're on monkeypox or whatever, and there's all sorts of weirdness in the political world. But drag racing, let's be honest, man. I don't, it's been a minute since I've felt this kind of momentum for the entire sport. I, I don't know if you guys share that sentiment, but I look at Norwalk, uh, Norwalk, Ohio this past weekend at Summit Motorsports Park for night at the 45th annual Night Under Fire there, a, a longtime presentation of the Bader family. The place was freaking packed, absolute yep. capacity crowd. Firebird yep. International Raceway up on the in the northwestern part of the country. Places packed out for their independent program. We saw a hell of a crowd at the Big Dog Shootout. We've seen, I mean... There's a no prep race going on at Shady Side. Northeast Outlaw Pro Mods were at Empire Dragway and put on a great show. I mean, it's it feels special. Do you do you kind yeah, of sense like, the same it's, thing? It's like the drag racers said, uh, pandemic recession. You know, hold my beer. You know, like because <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, everybody at first, you know, everybody hit the pause button while back, you know, while back when the pandemic yeah. started. But then it was like just a couple weeks in, and we realized, oh shit. People are buying parts. They're they're working on their program, and, and it yeah, every stopped. company we talked to yeah. was up like twenty or thirty yeah. percent. Yeah, way over, up over the yeah. course of the pandemic. And it's just so, it just continued. And then when they started opening these places back, I think I think people were like, once you take it away from them, they realize, oh shit, you know, like I want I want that. I want to go. 
Um, it sucks not going. A newfound appreciation it, yeah, for it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. You don't know I think what was interesting this going, weekend, right? this past weekend, it was the independent shows. Like you said, these exhibition independent shows. Last weekend or the weekend prior, we had PDRA Pro Stars. I feel like these events, we talk about them a lot, that they're important to the sport. And to see those places packed this weekend, this is not an NHRA national event. Now, I know that the Norwalk deal had a lot of NHRA stars, but for those events, those type of events to be packed out, it speaks to the the power of a big, well-promoted, one-off event that is as much of a show as it is a drag race. I think that when I watched, I mean, you know what? Matter of fact, before we talk any more about it, let's go ahead and check out this week's episode of the 330, uh, and it'll give everybody a glimpse of the things we're talking about, three minutes and 30 seconds that encapsulates almost an entire weekend in the sport of drag racing. Uh, I'll roll the play, roll the tape right now. Let's go full screen on this bad boy.
holy moly, what a video. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't even know what to say about it. Sorry, I'm trying to get us all back in our normal spots. Like, was that as mind-blowing to you? I mean, there was a couple of things I forgot about. First off, let's talk real quick. And I do believe we are joined in the green room. I think I see him down here, uh, the one, the only Alex Laughlin. We'll bring Alex on the show in just a minute. But I want to uh, fly through this real quick and just briefly recap the weekend, guys. Um, look at Big Dog Dragway. I got to excuse me, Piedmont Dragway and the Big Dog Shootout. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm a racetrack in the United States of America right now, a Saturday night kind of eighth mile shootout type track, I've got a program like that. I mean, 12 cars, one night only, Thursday night. They run the whole show from like 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. or 11, whatever. It's it's a tightly uh, packed together show. It's fast paced. And man, I really think that deal, I'm very proud because we've seen this class, this shootout kind of revitalized here in 2022. All of a sudden, early in the year, it was like six cars, seven cars. Now there's twice that. There's a dozen cars showing up. And seriously, guys, wrap your head around a dozen three-second door slammers getting it on on a Thursday night at getting a nitty-gritty eighth-mile drag race, driving through the grass. Jason driving Harris was throwing, awesome, throwing dirt at 197 <laughs> miles an hour. That's I mean, it's just special. You have to be willing to drive through the grass at Piedmont and Farmington or just don't even go there. Right? I mean, I just think it's massively cool that there's an event like that. There, there are places packed full of people. They're betting on the starting line. There are local favorites. There's kind of new, fresh faces. We saw Jason Harris, PDRA, stand out. You saw Travis Harvey, a uh, big money bracket racer, a hired gun driver, jumping behind the wheel of a new hot rod there. Just a great weekend. Series regular Brian Schrader taking the win. Um, moving on down, it's really cool, and I, I'm sure we're going to talk about this a little bit with Alex Laughlin in just a moment, but... I think it's interesting that no prep Kings, uh, there's so much testing going on. It used to be something that seemed like it was largely reserved for the champion of the series, Ryan Martin. By and large, you would hear just story after story after story, like Ryan was testing here, Ryan was testing there. Well, now, I mean, we've got inside sources that tell us Marty Robertson and Alex Laughlin were testing last night. You've got um, Justin Swanstrom testing, renting the track in Orlando to test. Do you see that thing making a real move in terms of kind of the and everybody's sensitive about these things, but it seems like there's an increased level of professionalism and an increased increased level of, uh, what's the word, commitment to that style of racing that we're kind of watching unfold right before us. They're going to have to, and I think they realize that. I mean, if Ryan's putting in all that work and you're not, I mean, you're, you're not going to compete with him. I mean, it's you either do it or you're going to play second fiddle to him. I think that's why we see people switching combinations. I think we're going to have another combination switch uh, this weekend. Uh, so if people are really, you know, not resting on their laurels. If they think that another combination is quicker or has the advantage, they're gonna they're gonna try it. And it's it, it's Swanstrom, Marty Robertson, all these all these people like this Odom uh, that are pouring money into this deal and and attract people like Alex too. I think this is gonna be a cool deal this weekend uh, with Alex running there. I agree, and I I, I do think that there is a there's something that has happened throughout the year that I've, I find interesting. And I honestly think Manny Bajinga is, is one of the guys that upped. I've seen this happen a multitude of times throughout the history of drag racing. And I think the example that I love to use the most is when Billy Glidden showed up in ADRL Extreme 10.5. There was a, a slew of front runners, right? The guys that had kind of made the move from Orska and traditional kind of the traditional outlaw 10.5 racing, 3,000 pounds and a back half car with a stock front end, right? Uh, we saw 
I mean, I'm, I'm talking about guys like Marcus Burt, Jack Barfield, Steve Kirk, Mike Hill. Uh, the list goes on. There was this slew of guys that kind of evolved from traditional Outlaw 10.5 into the ADRL's version, which, version, which was essentially run what you brung and hope you brung enough on 10.5Ws. Um, then Billy Glidden is thrown into the mix. And the level of professionalism and the, the level of commitment uh, to testing and R&D and after hours and on the weekends work that Billy brought to the table immediately saw all of ADRL Extreme 10.5 elevate. They went from running 430s on the regular to being in the teens. And, and there was a single guy that kind of was the catalyst for that. And I honestly think Manny Bajinga in the gang with Fred, the, the feared red Mustang, I think he brought something of that to No Prep Kings when he came out the last four races they had or their four races in a row, I believe, uh, and won them all. Won all four of the big tire, the open big tire shootout category. So it's there's some newfound interest and some new heavy hitters that are showing up in that scene, perhaps none more so than the guy we're getting ready to be joined by. Um, let's dive into this. I do want to talk a little bit about, we've got to talk about Norwalk. We've got to talk about Funny Car Chaos. We've got to talk about the Northeast Outlaw Pro Mod. So much to cover, but we've got a big time guest in the green room. So let's bring him in. JT, uh, introduce the man of the hour, uh, the one, the only Alex Laughlin. We're probably going to have to ditch the banner there at the bottom for a little while, guys. Alex, what's up, dude? What's, what's up, up guys? Sorry that uh, it looks like I'm like just completely blown out on the on the screen here. I'm trying to move back. No, you're um, good. I got <laughs> usually a, you got like professional yeah. setup. You know, I, I know. Know. usually I make us look bad. Yeah. All right, so so here's what happened. I got all my stuff stolen in uh, uh, oh yeah, where we were racing last Seattle. Oh, yeah. The rental car got broken into, and I lost my laptop and everything. So I'm starting completely fresh from here. So you're so, using a telescope now, or what is that? I don't know what, what's up with it. I, I tested this thing out uh, in every that was, way that I usually do. And now I'm that just, like, might be the doing. funniest thing Mike Carpenter's ever said in his I life. Um, that, that was a, a killer one. Um, I don't mean to put you on the spot, and I'm sure there's not all these details you can share. But uh, for those of us that follow you on social media, of which there are millions and millions uh, that follow you on social media, uh, we saw the window broken out of your car. What, what the hell happened, man? I'm sorry. It's a bummer. I still can't wrap my head around doing that to somebody. But what, what all went on with that deal? Oh, man, it, it's such a long story. And there's so much of it that I feel like I can't completely uh, tell about it. Uh, but uh, Cassie and I, my fiance, were in uh, dinner one night. We went in during daylight, came out, and the window was knocked out and all of our stuff was stolen. And uh, the police weren't really w willing to do much. And so we handled it ourselves, and uh, we were able to track our uh, Apple products and uh, show up to their house the next day. And the story is very long and uh, sounds like something from a movie from there. Uh, but we did get all of our stuff back, but everything has been wiped. And I had already bought a new computer. And so that's what I'm running right now. And as you can see, I've got a little bit of a work to do on it. I think it looks fine. I think it looks fine. That's the part of my body that I like the most. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, you know what I mean? I, my, if my I nose wasn't all, in there. I guess we could all move in. Let's all lean forward. Yeah, everybody <laughs> zoom in. Let's yeah. make Alex oh, feel better. Oh, my yeah, goodness, right. man. Well, hey, uh, let, let's get into it, dude. I'm glad you got your stuff back. What a bummer. Um, let's dive right into this No Prep Kings sometime. thing. Yeah, you're going to have to yeah, tell us I'm the story. I'm glad to tell you. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. I've been, you know what, man? The racing community. Drag rate. We get ourselves in some shit out here. 
It's you know what I mean? It's just funny. I don't know if it's like the travel that obviously has a lot to do with it, but it just seems like this is a I don't know. The drag racing community is kind of like a lightning rod for interesting situations. <laughs> like we just find ourselves in some wild ordeals more often than not. This is the True. most wild Western situation that I've ever experienced or even heard of in, in real life, in my life. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Yeah, Unbelievable. Was- well, hey, dude, tell me a little bit about what uh, sparked seeing you. Uh, I mean, it was pretty big news yesterday and Monday. You started kind of leaking it out there that you were planning on going to No Prep Kings, the the filming of the next episode uh, for season five, I believe it is, Street Outlaws, No Prep Kings coming up uh, Friday and Saturday at Tulsa in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Osage Casino, Tulsa Raceway Park. Uh, I know that's something that's kind of been on your radar for a while. Um, what, what uh, you know, kind of take us through what got you excited about this one in particular. I guess it's a little bit in our backyard. Yeah, you know, I actually had no intentions of really going out there um, until they were going to have the two, uh, the Top Fuel Grudge Race. And Palmer asked me if I'd be willing to go. And I said, man, you know, like I would love to, but I'm really not a good spectator at all. And so, yes, I'll go, but I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring something, you know, and I felt like the Corvette was pretty well ready at the moment. Um, We ended up, you know, finding about five full days worth of stuff to do to it uh, in between, which all, you know, to be honest, it needed to be done anyways. And the car's just been sitting there collecting dust. And again, this thing is not set up for no prep. I cannot fit a big tire under it. It's got a 33 inch tire where everybody else is running 36s. Um, I've got the same transmission and ratios in the transmission as we were running in the uh, radial tire uh, in RVW. And uh yeah, I mean, it's, it's not really set up to be doing this per se, but we went out last night and uh, made a couple of runs and the car is fast. Uh, I think it's plenty fast, to be honest. That's exciting, man. And that's uh, that's kind of where I was headed with this is one of the things that we continually hear about is the and this is kind of the curse of heads up drag racing, right, is that it, it gets out of control in a hurry. Uh, you know, the the money gets big, the eyeballs and the exposure continue to grow and it just escalates. And I do think there's a lot of people kind of on the sidelines looking at no prep kings right now going, holy cow, pro line, screw blowers, turbos, brand new cars. I mean, we've seen a half dozen brand new cars purpose built for no prep kings show up kind of as someone who's seen the sport of drag racing from a lot of different angles. You've had a, a long career in pro stock, a, a successful run in pro mod, uh, drag radial, of course, with uh, your win at Lights Out and participation in many in many of Donald Long's biggest events down there in Valdosta, Georgia. What is your take on the kind of rapid escalation of no prep Kings? Cause it seems like, I mean, you were testing with Marty Robertson last night. Marty comes out with a brand new, uh, freshly rebuilt car from, from Larry Jeffers race cars, the well-known Badfish Barracuda. It's got a pro charged Hemi in it. They see the way things are going. Now we see on social media, the last 48 hours, this bad boy's got a screw blower in it. And I do think it kind of blows people's minds that these are supposed to be, you know, this is, outlaw street racing guys they are switching engine combos race to race holy crap yeah i think it's very obvious that it's not what it used to be you know it started out and one of the things that they really tried to hang on to for the longest time was these are cars that 
the guys built in their garages at right. home and they were still working a full-time job and, and just struggling to be able to get to the track, you know, and now, now they're showing up in the same rigs that we've got on the NHRA circuit. Um, I saw some cars roll out of the trailer yesterday that cost more than my entire house. I guarantee you. And it's, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, and so I don't know if it's the TV money or if it's just the, you know, people getting into it because it's on TV and whatnot, but there is a lot of dollars uh, in and around the no prep Kings or just no prep scene uh, these days. And so, you know, I've kind of, I've been, you know, kind of watching it since the beginning as, as so many other people. And it has just, it, it's passed up. You know, there's a point that where I felt like my stuff was overkill for the show. And then now it's to the point that my stuff is behind you know, technically it's, it's, it's wild to me. Cause like, how can you, can you even imagine having a car like that? Like your Corvette with a screw blown Hemi in it tuned by Frank and Paul, uh, Frankie and Paul Taylor. Like this is a high level hot rod anywhere in the world, you know, but you're right. I mean, it is a fairly run of the mill combination that exists in no prep Kings right now. And I do wonder, like, is there a because we've seen it with this with this show that they've the Street Outlaws show, like the OG show as they refer to it. We saw all those guys move toward the pro mods, the purpose built cars, and it seemed like they lost a, a little bit of ground with their fan base. And I look at No Prep Kings, and I wonder, is that does that same risk exist there? Is it upon us? Because these cars are like, as you said, they're a far cry from you know, the car Chuck built, you know, Chuck Seitzinger built in his garage or whatever, a back half Mustang. We're a long ways from there. Yeah. And that's how, that's how everything goes. Um, you know, historically in drag racing, look at pro mod, you know, back in the day, you're able to run pro mod for, you know, I'm not going to say pennies on the dollar, but compared to what it is now, Absolutely. it's not the same. And that's what ends up ruining categories. It's because, big money gets in and starts winning and everybody's trying to, you know, keep up with the Joneses and not everybody's able to do it. And, you know, all it takes is a couple of uh, Ryan Martins out there to, to end up having, you know, essentially too much money or, or support, let's just call it support yeah. um, that, uh, that it's discouraging to other people and they start realizing I don't have that support I'm never going to be able to get there. Why am I chasing this? Maybe it's time to stop, you know, and that's when things start going downhill. Um, even in the RVW scene, you know, whenever I, I was lucky to get in it when we did, I was lucky to get that win at uh, lights out when we did, because that was at its peak. It has never been as big ever since. And that's what's, that's, what's been happening. It started out the same. There were supposed to be cars that people could relate to, and it turned into now full-blown pro mods out there on 315 radials. And, you know, I'm, I'm a prime example. My car couldn't keep up. It's a full-bodied car, uh, stock wheelbase, and I couldn't keep up. So, you know, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. That was some of the best racing I've ever done. And I don't do it anymore because I can't keep up. And it was like, I think the expectation became 
you got to run 350s, right? Or, or, or honestly, maybe high 40s. You know, there's a handful of them who have, who have done it. So it, it did. It escalated so quickly. And I think sometimes when that happens, when the growth curve or the escalation goes from like this, like a steady incline to this, and it's typically based on money when that happens. But it is an interesting point, And I don't know that there's any fixing it. I think we could probably, you know, stare at each other all day long and never really get because it's the inherent, this is racers going to race. We're going to find a way to shorten the fuse. We're going to find a way to go quicker, faster, uh, no matter what. And it, But it is interesting. And I do wonder how much, because one of the things you said, like, it's fast. I wonder how much the fact that the clocks, the scoreboards aren't on, the clocks aren't on at these no prep Kings races. Do you get a kick out of that style of racing where it's a little secretive? It feels like we're in a parking lot, you know, or an industrial area somewhere and everybody's lying to one another. Because I think that that we've seen it time and time again, when you're not like airing out your dirty laundry, dirty laundry being like your car slower than everybody else's, you know, when no one has to acknowledge that and it's not shoved down everyone's throat, it does seem like the, it's just more assumed that every car there is capable of winning. Yeah, I will agree with that completely because uh, my exit, for the most part, on the RVW scene was because they were running in the bottom 50s and then dipped into the 40s. And those numbers alone for me, I said, I cannot do that. I know what they're running. I know I cannot run that. So there's no point in me continuing to waste my time and money to go. So I, I couldn't agree with that more. And you have to like explain it. I mean, I think to somebody like you that's got sponsors and has a, a world of supporters around you, they're like, hey, man, those guys run 350s. Why do we run 370s? You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, that guy's got a metric ton of money, right? I mean, he carries it in a trailer, right? And it's yeah. that's a hard thing to have to explain to folks. And I, I do believe that when the scoreboards are off, it, there is – it the illusion is greater that everybody's got similar stuff. These are a bunch of really fast cars and who knows where things are going to shake out. So what is your biggest, what are you most excited about when it comes to no prep Kings this weekend? We hear uh, obviously some great competition. I think we can all agree that this isn't scripted. This isn't, you know, the conclusion's not uh, foregone. You guys, you're going to go up there and you're going to drag race, but is, are you excited about the fanfare, a new audience? I mean, you've had exposure to this group of people, not a ton, but a little bit over the years. What are you most excited about? I, I will start off with saying that I'm not huge. Uh, I, don't, I don't worry too much about what people think for the most part, but I am the most excited to be able to go out and make a statement and, you know, for uh, lack of a better term, shut some people up. Because, you know, in, in, the, in the radio scene, in the NHRA scene, I'm the nice guy, right? I've never done anybody wrong. I'm, I'm always I'm always the nice guy. But for some reason, and I guess it was because of the street outlaw stuff from the yeah. gas monkey days and the Richard Rawlings things and people that just didn't like him and associated me with him, you know, whether, you know, whatever kind of guy you do or don't think that he is, it it ruined me on that <laughs> side of racing. And these people just attack me. You know, and, and if I put anything like no prep in a social media post or, or anything like that, it's oh, like I've these vultures it. just just start diving in. They're just like, we hate you. Mm. Is there anything that we can do to get you out of here and just never come back? You know, and it's like, <laughs> what the heck, man? Like, I'm, I don't just know like that you did anything else. to deserve that, man. It's yeah. it's crazy to me. 
But no, yeah. I'm excited to see like and hear back from you just as to how you're received by that group of people because it's interesting. We've heard it here. Uh, there's a variety of different people that have dived into those waters and are met with some kind of uh, polarizing reactions, right? You got some guys that are like, hey, come on in. We're excited to have you. But then on the other side of the coin, there's been plenty of instances where it's like, hey, man, this is our deal. Don't come over here screwing it up. And I'm anxious to see. I, it was crazy. You no more than made a post. And Jim Howe, a regular on the show, was calling you out, looking for action on Friday night. And I'm going, man, I, I think that as good as it is for, you know, what let's call it traditional drag racing, like NHRA pro level drag racing for you to be there. I think it's a victory. I really do, Alex. I, I genuinely mean it that it's a good thing for our sport to have an ambassador such as you on that side of the fence, even if it's only for a weekend. But on the flip side, I think they're excited. I think some of these guys would love to be, you know, opposite you on the starting line and be able to, you know, try to say they got one on you, right? I mean, are you looking for some of that? Do you anticipate some side action or some some grudge night type stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I've already had several people <laughs> reaching out, trying trying to set up a grudge race and whatnot. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly down for some of that. Um, I think that that's fun. And I think that it's cool that, that they, that they want to race me, you know, because I feel like it's a little bit of a feather in my hat that, Agreed. you know, I'm not just, you know, Joe Blow showing up out, out there and they're thinking like, oh, here's just another guy, you know, out here trying to make it. Like I have not, I've never ran at a no prep Kings event. I've hardly done any of this before. And they're already, you know, chomping at the bit to be able to, line up against me like I'm somebody which we don't know what the heck we're doing out there and we're just you know basically gonna fake it till we make it but like I said the car ran pretty good last night um it was uh we the uh rear gear that we put in it um the uh drive shaft sensor uh pickup wasn't working perfectly and it was kind of driving all over the traction control a little bit and even with that and cutting cylinders and timing and all of that, I'm telling you, the car is still fast. And that's one of the cool things, too, about it. There not being times up on the scoreboard because it looks incredibly fast. Like I saw some of the other guys out there run last night and, you know, kind of hearing through the grapevine, like what they what they did run. I'm like watching them go down the track. I thought they're absolutely moving. And now knowing what we're running and what we look like. We're definitely moving also. Well, and I saw a video as well, and I'm like, okay, I think Alex has homeboy's got a hot rod. Uh, what do you make? We, of, we, we've got the we've got a clip. Can of we play here. that let's video? Play yeah, yeah, play the video play real quick. Yep. It does look fast. I mean, it, clearly it looked like a good run, um, sounded good. What, what, a, a couple things. It's got to feel good to be back in a door car, right? God bless Top Fuel Drag Racing. Uh, I'm a big fan, but it, I was actually a little salty when the world of door slammer racing lost you to one of those long skinny cars. Um, <laughs> God bless them, you know, but did it feel good to be back behind the wheel of a door car? I will tell you that, that, you know, obviously compared to the radial uh, times that we've ran, we're nowhere close. You know, we've been in bottom, bottom 
360s on small tires in that car. And we weren't even close to that last night. And it felt like a rocket ship because I, I have completely gotten used to the top fuel stuff now. And, and, you know, it, it's so hard to describe the differences in them. They're just so, they're so different and they're, they're both difficult in their own ways. But last night was such a quick reminder of how difficult or just different that it is in a door car. And I was, you know, around about four hundredths slower last night, uh, right off the trailer, my first run. And I got to the end of the track and I'm just hooping and hollering because I felt like we just turned the world around because uh, it's just it feels so different. And they're just they get, the rest of the guys were like, see, man, coming from a guy that drives a top fuel car now, just getting this excited about, you know, this sluggish run in a door car. And he's he's this pumped like that is a testament to how awesome the door cars really are. I I appreciate you saying that because I think back and I don't want to name names, but there have been plenty of times that someone has jumped right out of a nitro funny car or right out of a top fuel dragster and jumped into a pro mod. And the next thing you know, they're barrel rolling or they're on the roof because it is a dy- dramatically different ordeal. I mean, you're talking about left hand drive suspension. Right, front right. and rear suspension. It's just a whole new world. Floppy tires. I mean, it's just a whole new world. And I think it's good for, I mean, I, I keep a running list of how many pro mod drivers uh, are active, is what I keep, is what I call. And there's a, my list right now has 171 names on it. Gosh, there's a hundred, there's a, I mean, people don't realize this. There's 171 people by my count. And it's not, I'm not saying how accurate it is. It's the best we can do. But there's 171 guys or gals that have earned points in NHR or in pro mod drag racing this year, some walk of the pro mod life. And it's good for them to hear that, right? Because it's, I believe it's the universal language of drag racing. As much as I have an infinite amount of respect for top fuel and funny car, when I look at something that's like scalable and there's a massive inventory of cars and it really feels like there's room to, to get up and grow, 171 bad to the bone door slammers. Those guys need to hear a top fuel pilot say, Hey, that's, that's a deal right there. So thank you for that. Because I think everybody that, that puts on a fire suit and slams a door shut on a pro mod style car this weekend, they may, they should be have, they should have their chest puffed out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I'm super pumped to be able to go up there and run with these guys and, uh, and see what, all of the hype is about um, and, and not that it's just hype. I mean, it's, it's a heck of a deal that they've got going on there. Um, you know, Sam Corcus, uh, Jim Hughes, the guys out there. Um, now they've got Andy Carter from the Texas Motorplex helping out. And I think that this thing is still growing. Um, it may not be all the way uh, to the peak yet, but it is nice, you know, to, to see it still continuing to grow, um, to be able to, to dip our toe in the water a little bit and give these guys a shot uh or or you know give us a shot at racing these guys and uh yeah I, i'm pumped i'm especially pumped for you know some of the call outs um there's uh there's one in specific that i absolutely would love to run i'm not going to mention any direct names but it rhymes with oh no uh, come on shire shaw shamero <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, is that pig Latin, I was gonna I ask, think, or like, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Is, is like what class you're going to be running in, and uh, if there's any callouts that you've taken already, or any callouts that you want to make. I haven't taken oh, any yeah. yet, just because I know there's there's a lot that are 
that are uh, streaming in and uh, you know, no, no offense at all to anybody out there, but if I am going to take any call outs, it, it needs to be somebody that's at least in, uh, in the top 10 or something, because for me, I have something to prove and I'm not going to prove anything and absolutely no disrespect to anybody out there, but unless they're some of the front runners, I don't really have anything to gain by racing them. I would like to go out and race the top dogs and uh, get to the finish line in front of them. Because I, th this whole dynamic is is positive. Because what this reminds me of talking to you is listening to a a, a boxing pre-fight show or a UFC pre-fight show. Because you hear like people like, hey, do you, who do you want to fight? And it's like, well, I don't want to fight these guys that you know aren't in the title contention, aren't in the mix. Because I've got everything to lose and nothing to gain. Like if you go out there and smoke the tires or have a parts failure or whatever against like, you know, one of the lesser known teams or one of the, you know, not, everybody gets so sensitive about this stuff, but it's just, it is what it is. If you're not right. one of those top 10 cars, top five cars, and you go out and there's a bazillion ways to lose a drag race, yes. they've got everything to gain. They beat top, NHRA top fuel superstar, fuck, shoot, I almost cussed. They'll have t-shirts <laughs> made. They'll have t-shirts made by daybreak. Yes. You yes, know what 100%. I mean? Like with, with Alice Laughlin's name on a tombstone or something, yes. you know, cause they beat top fuel superstar. So I just think it's interesting uh, to be able to have that conversation because that drag racing needs a little bit more of this, in my opinion, like guys that recognize, Hey, I don't want to just go run anybody. I want to go run the baddest dude. So JT asked good question. How do you, it's still a little uh, confusing to me. There's a slew of things going on at these Street Outlaws No Prep Kings events. I take it you're going into the open big tire class? Yeah, I guess it's just what they call the futures class. Okay. I think that's about the only thing that, that I can get into. I'm not sure what all the categories are, um, to be completely honest. Um, I haven't, as bad as this is, I haven't followed it for a while, so I'm not sure what all it fits into. But as far as the car goes... It is absolutely legal to the T as far as um, how they run on the invitational side. So we have the exact overdrive um, on the blower. Um, we've got where we meet weight. Everything fits perfectly. So there is absolutely zero discrepancy of, you know, well, the only reason he won is because, you know, blah, 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 whatever. So it's a it's a completely even match playing field. Which is, I mean, it's fantastic. And, and this will be the last thing, and we'll let you go. Um, and a thank you again for being gracious with your time, Alex. I know you guys are testing again tonight. What do you make of, there's been a lot of talk in 2022 about the people who aren't able to get in. Uh, it was a huge storyline early in the year. And here relatively recently, uh, Manny Bajinga with his uh, very well-known red former Pro 275 uh, Mustang that is an extremely fast, highly competitive car. He's had a lot of success with it. A, a really buttoned up team, Jamie Miller, the pro line camp. I mean, a really cool program, not able to get into the show despite t-shirts, flyovers. I mean, they've done everything, beach balls. They've done almost everything they can to, including win on the racetrack to, to capture the attention and the imagination of the Pilgrim Discovery Channel uh, crew there to no avail. People seem to have forgotten that it wasn't that long ago you found yourself in a very similar situation where you go out and buy a car uh, or build a car, purpose-built, no-prep car, only to find out that it doesn't look enough like a stock one, right? And then you're selling it. it, it what a deal. So do you relate? I mean, what do you make of that whole situation? And people, I do think, forgot that you were going to make a run at this and were all but turned away at the door. Yeah, it's... Uh... 
how you say politics. <laughs> it's all about who you know, man. And, uh, you know, this, it, this isn't like a, it's not like an HRA. This isn't a, you know, I, I don't feel right saying it's not a legitimate sanctioning body, but I guess it's technically not. And it's run by people who are producing a TV show. And they'll tell you right off the bat, this is a TV show. This comes first. Second, we're having a race. And if you don't fit the criteria for their TV show, you're just not going to get in. And you certainly aren't going to get in by, uh, you know, making enemies or saying the wrong things to the people and getting frustrated and pushing back. Like it's one of those, it's one of those deals. Like they, they hold the golden key and uh, you have to kiss their feet just right to be able to, to get a hold of it. It's it's interesting, and honestly, people. This, like I said, this is something people get really up in arms about, right? But you you hit the nail on the head. It's a TV show first. Every one of those guys, uh, from top to bottom, everyone you talk to, they'll tell you, "Hey, you're coming to the filming of a television show." Uh, whenever you buy a ticket as a fan, that's what you're going to do. You're going to be on set, right? You're not necessarily. I mean, you're like an extra. You're an extra that paid to be an extra in a lot of exactly. ways. It's a totally different dynamic, and and again kudos to that whole camp for creating this monster that they have. And I honestly, as much as I get, I would love to see uh, kind of an open door policy. It'd be fantastic. Right. But I also totally get it. Uh, forgive me if you've heard me go on this diatribe before, but I can't imagine a scenario where the world wrestling uh, WWE Vince McMahon or whatever would just say, Hey, any tough guys in the Dallas Fort Worth area want to come to the filming of Monday Night Raw? You know, we're going to have Stone Cold there and we're going to have John Cena there and we want to see if any of y'all can whip their ass. That's never going to happen, right? Because exactly. they got to protect their stars. Exactly. They can't have Alex Laughlin come in and mop the floor with everyone because it it's going to make their them. stars bad. It, dis it discredits them. So I totally understand it, but it's weird because. It, it's one of those things where you have to, you can't, they can't have it both ways. We can't be the hottest thing in town. We can't be the best of the best. We can't be, you know, the highest level of competition, but then turn folks away. Right. right? So it's, we kind of, it's tough because I feel like it's one of those, you can't really have your cake and eat it too. We either have to acknowledge that it's a show and yeah, it's not scripted necessarily and the results aren't planned out, but it is a very controlled environment that is a far cry from what you saw at Seattle, right? Or on the Western swing where you could have very easily, no matter how big of a fan following you have, you could have D and Q'd, right? You could have exactly. been on the outside looking in. And I, yes. it's an interesting thing. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, I, I think it's even comparable. I believe that it was Pilgrim also that shoots the uh, show um, Real Housewives. And so um, you know, it, the grand scheme of things is we're all racers. Everybody wants in on this show, right? But it, that's not what it's about. And you hit the nail on the head also with with it's it's a TV show and it's the cast that they're looking for. It's not like there's just these other women that live in Dallas that are saying like, but why can't I be on it? Because I'm a real housewife and I live in Dallas. You know, you have to you have to fit and check all of the boxes. Right. You have to have like a story to tell or a unique angle or or something that makes you you have to be a character. And I think that that's exactly. we've been preaching this at Drag Illustrated for a long time. But I encourage people to like lean into whatever their personality is or whatever your persona is. There's perhaps no better example in all of, you know, drag racing than Donald Long. Right. I mean, if you have a conversation with Donald Long for the most part away from the racetrack or whatever, 
pretty easy to get along guy with, you know, pretty normal dude. But I mean, you see him at the racetrack or when he's, you know, in character. I mean, this guy's got a freaking fur coat on and Elvis sunglasses and a, a clock around his neck. It's a whole other thing. So I think we could use a little bit more of it, to be honest, man. Do you ever think, is there a world where, you know, NHRA's got an exclusive group of top fuel guys like Monster Jam? They have this fleet of trucks that they fly around the country. Do you think that there's room for something like that in the drag racing space, like an entertainment property, um, something that's more about entertainment than it is about competition? I think that it, I think that's very interesting that you say that because I've thought that the whole Monster Jam model is is really wild uh, but successful at the same time, and I think that even the drag racing stuff kind of can go can be compared to that because what's cool about Monster Jam is it's is it's it's a show it's a whole production and you don't have to like anything about racing or motorsports in general to appreciate watching a 40,000 pound truck or however much they weigh 20,000 pound truck, you know, get booted 40 foot into the air. Like it's just amazing. Right. And they do such a good job of putting on that production. Um, NHRA, I think has uh, the possibility to be able to do that. If uh, you know, it always comes down to money, you know, AKA the, the support. Um, but it's a really cool model and you don't like same thing. You don't have to know anything about racing or cars or you don't have to care anything about anything to watch a top fuel car blast off to 330 miles an hour, spraying fire and blowing chunks out of the cylinders to just think, Oh my gosh, that was incredible. I cannot wait to watch the next pair. I couldn't agree more, man. And I, that's been something that I actually got excited at one point there. It was like in the late 2000s, like eight, nine, early teens, maybe that it felt like the I-Tray was headed that direction. And I thought, man, this could be a great yin and yang situation for the sport of drag racing where you have NHRA, NHRA over here and it's championship drag racing. This is a highly competitive deal and it's way more about sport than it is about show. Um, it's the best of the best cream rises to the, to the top type of situation. But then the IHRA could be, you know, kind of match that with a more entertainment based program where maybe it's not 24 cars vying for 16 spots. It's 10 cars vying for eight, right? Or six cars vying for four, whatever. But it's a touring show. And maybe we pull the performance back a little bit to avoid explosions and avoid, avoid oil downs, right? But it's still great competition. The cars are still very fast. And the, the best guy and the best team's going to gonna win at the end of the day. But it, it does feel like there's room for something like that in the sport of drag racing. Because that's what I see that we could probably all learn from, from No Prep Kings and just that whole contingent. Uh, and I, I like to give them credit. People, most of the people that bag on that deal, I believe, are jealous of the the moment in the sun that this group of people are having, uh, this prolonged success that they're having. But man, hyper focused on putting on a show, hyper focused exactly. on putting on a show, and I think uh, we're seeing the difference. Alex, um, closing thoughts. I know you're in a video game now. Uh, how's that feel? I know that game's going to drop right around the NHRA US Nationals. I saw you post that on social. Uh, are you still kind of going through these pinch me moments? I mean, you're sponsored by Haviland, right? You're a hot wheel. Now you're in a video game. What, I mean, what gives man? What's next? It, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. You know, drive, driving a top fuel car, who would have ever thought any of this stuff would be uh, a reality. It's yeah. It's I wake up every day just thinking like, I'm absolutely living the dream, you know? And uh, uh, my eyes are doing that leaky thing. Every time I start talking about it and getting, getting all 
real with it. Uh, but uh, it, it is crazy, you know. Got my third Hot Wheels car came out this year. Thank uh, you. You gave me number twenty-seven. I got yeah. goosebumps. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Hot Wheels car, the video game, running top fuel, about to you know blast off into this no prep kings thing. Uh, blessed, you know, to say the least. Man, we uh, I, we may be your biggest fans, buddy, and we wish you nothing but luck. Uh, it's been an awesome thing to see uh, how this whole deal has escalated. I, I'm using that word today. That's the word, um, Alex. Like seeing you in a pulling truck, seeing you diesel racing, seeing you you know radio racing, pro stock racing, top alcohol dragster racing. To see where you are now, man, I think we all. Um, are very proud of you, and we're thankful to have an ambassador such as you at the at the forefront of the sport of drag racing. Be safe, man. Thank you so much for the time. We went way long. I appreciate you. It means more than you know. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry about the whole super super zoom situation. No, dude. I'm gonna next next week's episode. We're going all in on foreheads. <laughs> Mike's gonna win. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you all soon. Right. See you, buddy. Bye. Holy, sorry, Mike. I had to say it, buddy. That's a man. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna tell JT. Let's just all come back in. How, how, I don't know how goodness. close I would have to get. What? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a great. I'm dude. already. I don't have to get that much closer to fill the whole uh, screen with my head. Uh, how many? <laughs> how many tear uh, moments have we had on the show? There's been a few. I love that. Yeah. I love. I emotion, mean, Alex. Man. Everybody. I was reading the comments. You know, you get, you get uh, as much love as you do hate, and and I think that that's good to be polarizing. But Alex is another one who really appreciates this stuff who gets it, who does a lot genuine, of sport. Genuine brings, good guy. Yeah, yeah, Hot Wheels, Havilland, Gas Monkey. I mean, he's on uh, YouTube deals with Ken Block. I mean, he's just – and Ken Block's daughter. He, there's just a lot of stuff that goes on that I don't think he gets enough credit for. I agree because every one of those things, it's like it, – it's death by a thousand cuts but in a good way. Does that make sense? Like he's just – slowly chipping away at it. And it, I feel a slight victory for the sport of drag racing every time I see our sport alongside the Hoonigan guys, right? Alongside Ken Block and his daughter. And I, whenever I see Alex, well, even though it, the deal and it was the way it was presented, when he was uh, on Discovery Channel as part of that initial, you know, ultimate grudge race thing with the street outlaws, that was a good thing for drag racing. And I just, I, I'm, I really am happy for the guy. I think he's done a great job and... Well, it also uh, shows too, like I see all these comments uh, in the chat or whatever, how passionate these No Prep Kings fans are. Like they will take a bullet for Justin Swatcher or know, for man. Ryan Martin or whoever their guy is. And that is something that I think that NHRA has, but only for a certain few people. But these, the way that TV show is framed and the way that they build those characters and just make you latch onto them makes you want to go to bat for them on the track and off the track. And that's why anytime we have any discussion about no prep Kings or anything related to street outlaws, we, we get passionate comments one way or the other. A lot of these guys, a lot of these guys engage their, their uh, following as well, like mm -hmm. good or bad. I mean, they'll, you know, Justin would hop on and talk shit with everybody, you know, and, and, uh, but and it makes you feel like that you're a little bit more connected to them, right? That, that they're acknowledging, you know, your comment or acknowledging what you said. I think so, man. I think the guys that have the biggest following in NHRA do that exact same thing. Right, I mean, I think yep. about, you know, the Stevie Jacksons. Um, I think about Matt and Angie Smith. They do a great job interacting with their fan following, and people will live and, you know, will, will walk through the gates of hell for that family. 
you know, um, guys that put themselves out there routinely, in my opinion, it's a it's a painful thing and it's a challenging thing at times. Uh, and it, it has its good and bad, right? I mean, for everything, you put something out there and someone's not going to like it or someone's going to have something to say. But if you're able to develop the, the thick skin required to operate in this day and age, it, it is a powerful tool. And you're exactly right, T. I mean, these guys have leaned into being a, a race car driver. They've leaned into being a cast member and they engage their fans and they they play the game. That's as simple. That's really be, what it boils down to. It's better to be polarizing and either loved or hated than no one care that you're even there. A right. million percent, yeah. man. Well, hey, guys, uh, let's uh, let's make sure the world knows the people that support us and stand behind the team here at Drag Illustrated and the West Buck Show. Gang, remember, each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seat belts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to StroudSafety.com and make sure you tell those guys that we sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and queue up our next guest. The topic of conversation as of late, no doubt, unbelievable. I've had three calls about this guy today, and I haven't even told him about it. He doesn't even know about it. Three phone calls. Bigger than Alex's when you get in here. Jeez, Louise, three (laughs) phone calls today dealing with the (laughs) drama from this guy. Unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen, the man who has invested his heart and soul and what appears to be most of his wallet into Bradenton Motorsports Park. The one, the only. Promoter of the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals, 51 years strong, Victor Alvarez. Let's go. What's How's everybody What's up, doing? Up, man? man, we're Good great, man. You're here with us. We couldn't, eat, be, we couldn't be better. I got on early, and I was watching uh, Alex Laughlin talk, and that, I really liked that, that guy. I've never actually met him in person, um, but he just seems so genuine, and I, and I love – I just love seeing the young guys, like – coming into the sport and doing stuff because that's the future of the sport in my opinion you know for sure you know him and obviously like there's people even younger but i like seeing it and he's just so passionate and real about it it's cool and it's cool to see him like bounce around that's not a common thing right to operate in all these different spaces but i think that's afraid to do that and not be afraid anyone's anyone's afraid but i feel like there is some hesitance from a lot of people to do that kind of thing because it could it could go wrong you know, and yeah. he seems unafraid of that. And I think we, we have to give him credit for that. Oh, he's going to catch all kinds of all kinds of shit for people if he comes out and lays an egg out there. I mean, <laughs> and that's just, you know, that's, that's that's the building from all the way back on that show, you know, yeah. when he's with Gas Monkey. So I don't know. I think it's worth it. I'm, I'm glad. I think awesome. And I, I think these awesome. we saw this. We talked about it late last year when news broke that Paige Coughlin um, part of the Jags uh, dynasty, the Coughlin family uh, racing dynasty was going to go no prep Kings racing. And I found it so powerful that she was willing to throw her hat into the ring, not in the invitational, not in the show that's guaranteed to be on TV, whatever, not be necessarily a cast member, but to go, you know, earn it via showing up at these no prep Kings, uh, futures shootouts. I just think it's really cool that someone with the status in our space that Alex has is willing to, to do exactly that. We've seen Manny Bajinga do it. We've seen Callie Mills do it the last two seasons. Um, and then that ultimately paid off for her. So I, it's, I'm excited to see what's next for him, man. But speaking of what's next, Victor, um, as I said, whenever I was introducing you, you're the talk of town, homeboy. Uh, the <laughs> Snowbird Outlaw Nationals, by all accounts, lit off the hook. 50 cars sold out yeah. in under five minutes, man. Um, 
can you just take me, I mean, we're friends. Uh, we were really getting to know each other well. Um, we saw Alex get emotional thinking about how far this thing has come. And I'm not trying to get you teary-eyed. But You're not going to make me is. cry. But I mean, did you ever think, I mean, th that's pretty unheard of, man. I mean, to sell out entry, uh, entries for a, a pro mod race, especially in Florida in the winter. I mean, that had to be surreal. No, I mean, it was. So I think I, I might have mentioned this in the past, but when I, I bought Bradenton in 2018 and my first Snowbirds, um, which I was excited and I had been to the event. I was a big fan of the event, but my first Snowbirds under my ownership, um, I think we had like 15 Pro Mods and I can like vividly remember walking through the pits and just being just heartbroken. And I said, this will never happen again. And so I've put a lot of time and effort and work to get to this point. So to see it pay off and to see it, you know, come to fruition has just been, it's amazing. It's, I'm shocked. I knew it would sell out, but I had no idea that it would sell out as fast as it did. And I mean, I don't even want to say how many people are on the alternate list now because that's discouraging to be on, you know, to know there's that many cars on it. And I totally understand uh, your reasoning behind this, but I do think there are people that are like, I remember vividly back in 2017, we had broken news that we were going to do the World Series of Pro Mod at Denver. And we, we made, you know, we had a lot of new stipulations for this race that people weren't accustomed to. It was winner take all, it was invite only, all these things. And I remember flying down to the NHRA East Coast opener in Gainesville, Florida, and perusing the staging lanes. And people were here, had heard about the race, you know. And so I'm, hey man, cool, bull. And, but it, I found it very peculiar. No one asked me, like, hey man, where'd you get 100 grand? <laughs> everybody asked me in why invite only and i thought it was funny because well the reason invite only is because of this you're asking me about it everybody's yeah, talking yeah. about it yep. um you and i you know we share a lot of these uh conversations offline uh but you know i'm a big believer in that approach uh has it been i mean what's the i'm sure there's been some salty sons of guns going yeah. hey i didn't know I, I know that's hard for you how do you handle that i mean it's very difficult and honestly i don't have like a way that i handle it i don't have the answer but um I mean, we're constantly talking about it behind the scenes and figuring out ways to improve and just give them more opportunities to race. But I mean, at the very same time, the reason that it's sold out is because it's exclusive, it's special. And people have to appreciate that to some extent, because if it wasn't if I didn't say it's limited to this many cars and it's this much of a, a purse, it wouldn't have sold out. And not that it's a huge deal, you know, like the event will go on and a lot of people will come because it's a big purse and we do a good job with what we do. But it's an even bigger deal now because we have those 50 cars signed up and we can promote with those 50 cars signed up and everybody gets their, their, you know, five seconds of fame and it helps, it helps everything. It helps. It looks good for our sponsors. It looks good for our, our spectators that are planning on coming. I mean, it just, it makes everything work a lot better. Um, but if it wasn't this exclusive, I don't know that we'd be talking about it. I agree, man. I and that's honestly, I've had to have that conversation like three times today because <laughs> I'm going. Uh, that's what makes this deal special, and I get it. You, you were out of the loop, or what happened? You know, but that's kind of the magic of this thing. And I, it's interesting because the moment that goes away, the dynamic changes immediately. Yeah. As soon as it's something that anybody anybody can get a table, it's like a restaurant. You, you don't want to wait. 
but you kind of want to wait, right? You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> want to wait two hours, yeah, right? Like, uh... But but I'll wait 20 minutes. I'll wait, you know, because yeah. it's like you want there to be, that shows that this is the, the hot thing. It shows that it's good. It's a representation, an indication, if you will, of quality and excitement and all these other things. Let me ask you this. In a time where it seems like it, and I don't want to pour too much fuel on this, but it is concerning to folks that we're seeing tracks go away, right? Mm-hmm. Atlanta Dragway uh, sold by the NHRA to be turned into like a warehouse or whatever. There's some other major drag strips um, that are rumored to have been sold. We saw Memphis International Raceway sell this mm-hmm. year. Uh, Palm Beach International Raceway shut down. Uh, what else? There's, there's several of them. You're on the other side of the coin, though, spending a million dollars probably on concrete, brand new aluminum bleachers. Like you're making improvements. How proud of that are you? And what fuels that? Like what, you know, in a world where people seem to be kind of concerned and are, are holding on to things and, and playing it safe, you're clearly not doing that. Yeah, I mean, I might just be sick in the head. I'm not sure. But <laughs> when I when when I got the place, I I set a couple of goals and, you know, I, I think in my, I was reading something, one of the Drag Illustrated magazines where I was in it, and I think it was for Promoter of the Year. I had said, like, I want to do this and I want to do that. Like, these are things I've wanted to do since before I even owned the track, really. You know, I've been doing the FL2K events since 2013, watching that grow and just seeing the potential and seeing the track grow. And I've seen all these improvements that could be made. And that is what has always, you know, that has always been the fuel fuel for me. Like, that's what gets me going. Um, get to the point where I can I can offer more to the sport. That's how I look at it. And I love drag racing. It's my home track. It's I have a lot of firsts at that track. It's a very special track to me, aside from the fact that I'm now the owner. And I've just always wanted to do it. I, I can't even, I, I don't know how to explain it. I, it's like, it's just this thing in me that until it was done, I was, I was literally losing sleep over it. So when the opportunity started to present themselves and, you know, things started to fall into place, I didn't care who was closing or what. I didn't care about any of that. I'm like, I'm going to go. And we have such good support that, you know, everybody says that, oh, it's my supporters. And I, like, I mean it. We have such good support that I could jump off the cliff at, at that point and just be like, screw it. We're going to do it and it's going to work out. I love it, man. And I think that it really is indicative and a reminder, everybody, that that continual investment in the place and reinvestment, it's its required. Uh, I think that a lot of times, I don't mean to talk out of turn or get anybody up in arms, but, you know, not there's exceptions to the rule, but a lot of these places that I see struggle or the, a lot of the places that I see having issues are tracks that aren't reinvesting, aren't yeah. trying to improve their customer experience, aren't cleaning the bathrooms, aren't shortening the lines at concession stands by opening in another window or bringing yeah. in outside vendors, right? I mean, in it, the expectation of a consumer in 2022 is crazy high. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're waiting for drones to drop off our Amazon package same day. <laughs> so, you know, it's may not be that extreme for the track operator or promoter, but it's headed that direction. We, we yeah. expect the people expect a lot. I went to the movies with my kids this weekend and they were like waiting on us. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need bringing us nachos. And I'm like, man, I remember when I used to have to walk my ass to the little thing, you know, but it's, that's the world we live in. Right. So how do you, um, obviously brand new concrete, obviously, um, uh, the new grandstands and and ongoing, uh, investments in the facility, but how else do you respond to that? Victor, is there other ways? I mean, like you said, promoter of the year, you spent all this money on the racetrack, uh, the facility itself, Bradenton Motorsports Park was nominated as track of the year. 
what uh, what do you what are you guys doing to improve that experience for your fans and for your racers? I mean, so we, we've done a lot. So like the concrete, all new concrete surface. Um, we've done new grandstands, and honestly, I think like it's not. I don't think that's it's a huge secret recipe. I just think we just all of us, myself and Wade, and all of my staff, we just really try to be involved and be engaged. Like you know, Wade does a great job with our bracket program and our junior dragster program. His son runs the junior. He does amazing with it. But we're all somehow involved or embedded in this thing. And at the end of the day, it's like until if, if you don't have that passion, if this is just business for you, it's never going to to get to that point. Um, and, you know, like another difference. I mean, I'm only 32 years old. This is my fifth year. I'm going on my fifth year as the, the owner of this track and I'm 32 years old. I want to own this track for forever you know what i mean for another 20 30 years i want to give this track to my kids like so for me this it's just so important that i do a good job and i just love the sport like whenever i can i'm i, I try to go racing myself i watch you know the sh this show i watch uh the street outlaws i watch as much as i can and i try to be involved in the sport and i love it so i think that passion is really that's probably my biggest secret weapon I, I think you're exactly right. I talk to people all the time and it's that this industry is unique in that regard. And I'm sure there are several that are similar, but the the amount of passion, like in many cases, this there have been sanctions, series, businesses in this space that have succeeded in spite of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, just because yeah. this is such a uniquely passionate group of people, one of Brett Kepner's uh, go-to kind of sayings is, it's like the only group of people that will drive hundreds of miles in the pouring rain with a hundred percent chance of rain in the forecast <laughs> to go to the racetrack because yeah. just that's what we do we but go we'll to the see, racetrack see like and at the end of the day i feel like i'm one of them like yeah i would do that and i relate so much with our racers and our spectators and just our sponsors you know i have i've i'm a part of a, a performance shop and i have been since 2011 like i feel like i see every angle of our industry and of the the drag racing and I mean, from the social media side of it, from the spectator side of it, the sponsors, the racers. And I mean, it just that mixed in with the passion for the sport. I guess I just I got lucky. <laughs> I, I love it, man. Well, hey, Mike, JT, uh, Mike, where are you at? I was going to throw you in here and go. We'll do a little bit of um, Mike. I, I don't know if you have anything specific for Victor, but I just was going to let's have a little bit of a roundtable conversation just about stuff that's going on in the sport. Um, at the beginning of the show, we talked about how cool it was to see all these events packed out, man. Um, Mike, I'll throw it to you just real quick uh, so we can touch on these things. We saw a capacity crowd in Firebird. We saw a capacity crowd at US 131 in Martin, Michigan, which we uh, forgot to mention early in the show. Obviously, yeah, a, a, a barn burner. Yeah, a barn yeah, burner great event. there yeah. in uh, Norwalk, Oklahoma, Ohio for the night under fire. What do you make of that, Mike? I mean, is it just a, people are, are caged up and excited to get to the races or are we, is there a tide shift that's happening? I think there is. I think that this No Prep Kings deal and events like what Vic's doing, uh, events we've done in the past, um, kind of lean into that, lean into the independent promotion. And when drag racing was, to me, the healthiest match racing was healthy. Uh, even guys like John Forrest, Don Perdome, you could, you could catch at a match race, Don Garlitz. Um, that's, that's really what built the sport. And then it became this strictly eliminator based, you know, national event based type of situation, yeah. which as we've talked about many times tends to benefit 
the organization or the sanctioning body more than the individual racer. And I feel like when you have those events, you have those exhibitions that the individual racer can kind of can sell their own T-shirts, can do a long burnout, can you know do stuff that they're probably not going to do at a national event. That's what brings the fans out. They want to see that. They kind of want to see their 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 heroes in the raw or whatever to where they're not buttoned up at one of these national events. And I pro mod is a big part of that. And Vic, I mean, you have as many pro mod races and as big a pro mod races as any track in the country. So um, I think you can probably speak to that as well. Well, I also think to touch on when I was watching earlier with um, something that Laughlin said, and I, well, Wes and Alex were talking about, I think that the best thing that's happening for the sport right now is uh, is people are realizing that engaging with the fans and, and, and just being more of a like an athlete, because that's what they are, and treating it more that way and selling shirts and taking the time to sign shirts and talking to people and being active on social media, it's growing the sport. I think it's starting. To, I think people have been doing that more and more over the last couple of years, but now it's starting to catch traction. And I think the street outlaws is a huge part of it. I think our sport is just getting a lot of new eyes, new attention. And, and I think the racers are starting to see the benefit. And I mean, have some fun. You know what I mean? Like who doesn't want a 12 year old kid to come and want to take a picture with them? Like, that's great. You know what I mean? So I think the taking a little bit of the seriousness out of, you know, the time in between the racing is helping grow the racing. Yeah. We even had Tony Schumacher on here last week. It's basically agreeing with us that the car, the cars are the stars, which was NHRA's mantra for so many years, was not the best direction to go. It wasn't sustainable. It wasn't going to get us where we needed to be, especially in 2022. And here you have the winningest top field driver in history who had to be the most buttoned up for the Army, had the biggest sponsorship in the sport. And he's saying, I, you know, I, I feel like he's kind of turned – the page and he's embracing uh individual you know Agreed. personality and and, and yeah. engaging with fans in a different way so it's e even at the top level and people that have done it all i think are seeing that also yeah and you know the competitiveness and the match racing mm -hmm. and i think something that the street outlaws do, does very they do very well and it's it's really the the racers themselves i don't think it's the show but all the the back and forth banter and and the challenging and calling this guy out and calling that guy out, like, give us something to see. The cars, are, the cars are. I mean, it gets to a point where the cars are one-trick ponies. Like, they're gonna they're gonna run as fast as they can. The driver's gonna, you know, you're gonna start to learn. They're gonna be predictable. But if I call Wes Buck out for a grudge race, we have no idea what might happen. And that is entertaining. That's fun. So we should all take some responsibility to do whatever, do our our part, do whatever we can to just make this more entertaining and make it more fun. It's supposed to be fun. There's, I a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity for that too we talked about we actually had a call earlier today where someone mentioned that drag racing becomes hard to watch with all the downtime especially in some of these events uh radio events especially and how do you fill that there there's a big hole there's a big opportunity to fill that and that's what these independent exhibition events do they fill every second with some kind of entertainment for the fans or whatever and i think we we sometimes forget that and I think we also like lose sight of the fact that the people can be entertaining. Like it, we can make we can make it interesting with this group of people, no matter what they're doing. Like we don't have to have like a stunt bike show necessarily. Like that's great, but it just because we don't have eliminations happening or you know the fastest cars on the property happening, we there are other ways to entertain. I see that from yeah. the No Prep Kings deal as well. They're not at all as afraid to toss a racer uh, a microphone right mm -hmm. to address the crowd but 
in the same respect, that racer is not afraid to catch it. Yeah. It, you know, so it, it takes both. It takes both of us. We, we lost a little bit of that in, yeah. in drag racing, I feel. Somewhere along the line, we lost a little bit of that. But it's like I'm always thinking of ways to do cool stuff. Like I bought a T-shirt cannon, and I'm like, I can't wait to shoot T-shirts into the stands. Free T-shirts. Yeah, cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's just fun. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm having somebody build a, uh, a little deal where you can, two people can sit down and have a practice tree shootout. Like again, that's just we fun. Did, so we did we did rental car part. reverse racing at the yeah. World Series of Pro Mod. Everybody, like pretty much all of our staff and, and a couple other people, bring your rental car rental car out. We're going to reverse. It race is full them. sketchy. That was, race them to the three thirty and rewind. Whew. Um, we we had <laughs> I'm glad, one guy. I'm glad that wasn't here. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It, it's actually it may need to be revitalized <laughs> because it, it's so. actually pretty hey, hilarious. Hey, Van Wagner, editor in chief here at the magazine, he wants to bring it back. That's he wants to start a professional racing organization for reverse. Well, racing. didn't he win the deal two <laughs> yeah, years in a row? He's he's shockingly good at it. <laughs> uh, it's it's not for everybody. I remember one time my rental car was a Mustang. This is a which was surprising. Or I don't know whose car it was. It was somebody's car I took and was racing in this reverse race. And it had like a rev limiter in rewind, and it only run like eight. You know what I mean? Like whereas Nate's Kia Soul will run 114 in reverse. Um, it, it's it's very funny, man. But you're right, and I think it does take thinking outside of the box, trying some new things, but it really does go back to engaging these folks. And I'm seeing it across the board. I think the NHRA is doing a better job with it. Um, I obviously no prep Kings, but all these sanctions and series, it seems like we're seeing more and more people willing to do interviews. We're seeing, I go back to the NHRA media center interviews and they're putting out all this content and it's, it's less header flames, less tire smoke, more smiling faces, more one-liners, more sound bites. That's, that's the stuff that really catches on and people get excited about. It. I always get a kick out of it when we'll post a video that I think is like badass and it's like action-packed or whatever. And it will get a fraction of the views of Erica Ender's 20-second clip of her saying something, right? And it just it reinforces that like these personalities – and these varying opinions and racers that are willing to share their thoughts and feelings and wear their heart on their shirt sleeve, that's the difference maker. I mean, that's the thing that people really latch on to. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, with, with a schedule that's as packed as yours, Victor, and you've got, you mentioned FL2K, um, the streetcar industry and the streetcar movement, events like Streetcar Takeover, it's an example I go to quite frequently. I truly believe Justin Keith, Chase Lautenbach have like a, a tiger by the tail with, with, mm -hmm. with that particular deal. I know you mentioned your shop induction performance and you're a streetcar guy through and through. How are we going to marry these worlds? That's like one of my favorite things to talk about because it does feel like there is a significant disconnect. You and I have talked about yeah. this off the air that like FL2K, uh, the premier amongst, I think, two really premier streetcar events in the United States, one being Texas 2K that's been going on in Houston for a hot minute, and uh, an offshoot of that being your massive event that's been going on since 2011, FL2K in Florida. I don't think a lot of those guys even know what ProMod is or even yeah. know what the Snowbirds is. How do we fix that? I think that someone needs to do a race and incorporate both. Um I've thought about it. I've, it's been talked about, but I think it would be so cool if, and especially from a fan's point of view, if you can go to to the track and let's say you're you're showing up to watch Stevie Fast Race, but then, you know, one of the classes is a streetcar class, and you have Cletus McFarland come out and run a 680. 
you're gonna appreciate that. Like he he went on a cruise, he drove around, got in the lanes, and went a six and ran a six second pass. I don't care who you are or what kind of car you thought you like or whatever. If you like drag racing, that's cool. It speaks so, to you. Yeah. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna take someone just somehow like maybe at FL2K one year I'll have a match race or I'll get eight pro mods to come and so it's gonna take something like that um, because I don't know why it's just there's such a huge disconnect like you said but I, I just I don't understand it because we all love the same thing we love side by side badass racing like fast cars that's all we care about. Well, and I can't help but feel sometimes like I go to these streetcar takeover events because I'm a, a big streetcar guy. And I look, it's sometimes you go, man, I didn't know there were this many twin turbo Corvettes and Mustangs yeah. and Vipers on the planet, let alone all here at ZMAX Dragway or all <laughs> here at the Texas Motorplex. I mean, there's hundreds of them. And I can't help but believe that there's some of these guys that have one of these aforementioned 1,500, 2,000 rear wheel horsepower streetcars. Hey, man, for what you've got in that, you could probably go top sportsman racing. You you yeah. may be able to go, you know, X two seventy five racing, or yeah. you may be able to go big dog racing. But I don't think they know. Like, like it feels there's no worlds. one's bridging the, that gap. You yeah. know? Yeah, they don't. They don't. I think the ones that do know about that world, like you know, my streetcar guys that know about X two seventy five or Pro two seventy five or whatever it may be, they don't feel that there's a place for them in that world. Um, and that's that's the issue. But there is there absolutely is like we could do a streetcar shootout, which that's our biggest class at FL2K. And I want to say that's probably the biggest class at TX2K and streetcar takeover. You can have a class like that at the Snowbirds or at U.S. Street or whatever event you can. So, I mean, it's just going to take somebody doing it. But I think it would be so great for the sport. And I think if they felt welcomed into that world or, you know, I'm going to say our world because I'm, I, I feel when I go to those races, I feel just at home, as at home as I do at FL2K. If they were welcomed into our world somehow, it could be so good for the sport. Do you think the drag and drive stuff kind of fits in that too? Where that's kind of a kind of blending the two together to where it's, it's yes sort of no. a streetcar deal. Sort of, it's sort of hardcore drag racing. Yes and no. Um, you know, the drag and drive stuff is so unique because you could get somebody that, and there's tons of people that will go to a drag and drive event and drive all over the country and race and have fast cars and do well that have never been to FL2K and never been to TX2K and never been to a streetcar takeover event. So I don't they, I don't know what the the what the reasoning is, but I know when we had um, Sick Week, they started and finished at Bradenton last year. I saw all these amazing cars, like these cars were sick, and like great cars they all made good passes for the most part they all had their stuff together they were all willing to do whatever it took to get through the event because you know these guys are working on their cars day and yeah. night they have to doing whatever it took but i've never seen i mean i probably recognize 10 of those cars and isn't that me, crazy me, I mean, that's the problem it is a problem, and that's, I mean, part of me, it, I don't mean to belabor this point, but it's its the reason that I feel like there should be some sort of, like, NHRA outreach program yeah. where you're, like, where they're setting up shop at a No Prep Kings event, or they're setting up shop at a streetcar takeover, because there are times that I wonder if they even know that stuff's happening. I mean, I know they do to some extent, but, man, getting some of those entry-level people, and it's, uh, I think what it at least part of it is that drag racing as drag racers tend to eat their young. Um, you know, there's a, I mean, we see it amongst promoters. There's kind of like this old guard that don't know how they feel about the new folks. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's the same thing exists in drag racing where it's, 
I think a lot of these guys are intimidated, right? They kind of stay in their lane. They're like, ah, that's that's the serious drag race, and I can't go clickish, to that event. Like we always it's say, very clickish. It's like a high school hallway, and we've got to find a way to break down some of those walls because I, I look at this sport and where our our, our current station. You know, and I'm very thankful. I'm grateful for where we're at, but I'm not satisfied. I feel there's more. I truly believe drag racing is the great American motorsport. I mean, if 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 the UFC can put two dudes in a cage and mm-hmm. fight damn near to the death and sell out crowds and all this, I mean, that, that it's, it's a drag race. It's two people seeing who's better at something. It's yeah. easy to understand. It's over fast. It plays to the short, ever shortening attention span of, of people in this day and age. And to be here where guys like Tony Schumacher spend two years without a sponsor, what the hell? I mean, you know, that can't be. And I think until we all start to rally around one another and recognize that a high tide lifts all boats and what's good for NHRA is likely good for this series and what's good for this track is likely good for that track, there's always going to be an air of competition. It's part of it. But, man, we've got to get the gang together, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've always dreamt of doing an event, and, and it's probably something I'll do relatively soon. But I've always dreamt of doing an event where at the end of the year, we look at, like, what classes perform the best at Bradenton. So, like, let's say we would take Snowbirds, Streetcar Takeover. I'm sorry, um, Streetcar, streetcar Shootout, um, Extreme Front Wheel Drive, uh, Ultra Street. Like, yeah. Let's just take, like, our six or seven top classes, the ones that have the most car count and we feel provide the best show, and just do an event, call it whatever, and and do that event, and just try to mix, just bring every everybody from every world we can into the place, and see what see how they like it. I think they love it. I 100% agree, and I think that we need to do that. Like I just had another idea, which is a danger. Which they, <laughs> they my guys around here they treat that like a four letter word. Wes says they have I have an idea, and they all yeah, like we're gonna edit this part out of it. Yeah, they turn off their phones. You know what I mean? All of a sudden they're not online anymore. They go dark on Slack. But no, there's a lot of work to do in the sport of drag racing, man. But uh, we're in a good spot. I mean, it, I do feel like the tide is turning. Uh, I mean, I think about car culture, despite all this going green and the electric car movement. Um, hey, you had a Tesla. Do you still have that? Did you get rid of it? Uh, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I was wondering. I, I, I mean, uh, it was weird. It was cool, like the novelty of it, like before I had it. And it's not that it, I, I just couldn't do it. I'm just uh, I'm a red blooded car guy. And like, I need my car to make noises. I need my car. I, I, I couldn't do it. I prefer to go to the gas pump and be robbed at times than to drive the Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I completely agree, man. What a deal. Well, Victor, thank you so much, man, for spending a little bit of time with us. Uh, I think we line up on a whole bunch of stuff, and I can't wait to see what the future holds, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for having me. And keep doing what you guys are doing because, I mean, I think that, and I've said it before, but I think that people are starting to see the value in just engaging with everyone and trying to bring people into our sport. And I think a lot of that, like what you guys do is really that, you know what I mean? And you promote that and you encourage that. And I mean, you guys are a huge asset to the sport. Just keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. We will. I promise. All right. We'll talk to you real soon. Okay. Stay out of trouble. See you. Man, we are uh, already into hour two, halfway through hour two. This has been a, a fast-paced one. Real quick, uh, I want to remind everybody that the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about our friends at Redline. For more information, log on to Redline Oil. 
oil.com. Um, and while I'm at it, I'm going to go ahead and remind you guys, hey, make me full screen again, T. I've got one more. I ain't done yet, right? we got sponsors stacked. we got them stacked up. Ladies and gentlemen, the West Buck Show is brought to you by the team at Elite HP, the world leader in used race cars, racing engines, parts, and tools. Located in Fort Worth, Texas, Elite HP is operated by Real Deal Drag Racers with over 100 years of combined drag racing experience who can steer you in the right direction for all of your racing needs, whether it's a turnkey race car, a set of projects, or something in between. Check out their entire inventory, updated daily, at EliteHP.com. Mike, um, do we ha- did we get our, our final guest? We did we it. get things we figured out? It. I'm sorry. Uh, we had a little technical difficulty there. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, um, I, I want to remind everybody, please click like, click share, click subscribe. If you're watching along on YouTube, you'll notice you can actually find the show now right there on the homepage of DragIllustrated.com. So if you're ever wondering how to take in the show or aren't able to find it, uh, go to DragIllustrated.com. You'll be able to watch along. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let, let's let's get this thing going, right? Let, let's start the party. Here's one of the guys, one of the originators, uh, a, a wonderful human being, and someone who's been driving the bus on the NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing Series Tour for quite a while and has spearheaded the first, I believe, in a long time, maybe ever, NHRA Pro Mod shootout, the one, the only, Doug Winters. Let's give it up. Woo, Doug! What's up, dude? What's up, Doug? <laughs> hey, guys. How's it going? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, man. We can hear yeah. you well. Are you? Uh, I think there's a '69 Chevelle. Is that? Uh, yeah. Is that? Is that the hot rod up above us? Yeah, we haven't got it out yet. We're here in Topeka. Just uh, got here this morning, unloaded enough to get the awnings out and to try to beat some of the sunshine. And the Chevelle's still sitting in here. Q1. It's not till Friday morning. We'll probably Alan will probably. He uses it kind of interesting, you know, like a lift uh, to check the bearings and stuff. So. He said, just leave it on the lift. I'll check the bearings there, and that way you won't have to crawl in under it And when we get it out tomorrow. So that's what it's doing in here. No Smart. shame in that game. That's what man. comes from that veteran experience. Because Doug's been doing <laughs> this as long as anybody else out there. I don't think that a lot of people know your full history and how long you've actually been involved in, in Pro Mod Racing. Yeah, forever. I mean, we started out in, whew, gosh, in the 90s, I guess, and top sportsmen started out in Hot Rod Nigeria, actually then moved our way up into a uh, top sportsman and from top sportsman, I got into nitro coupes and super Chevys kind of where we hit the pro mod scene, uh, started running nitro methane with all the likes of Bill Coleman and Jim Oddie and Fred Hahn and Jeff. Brozovich I remember those, those days as well, because, because <laughs> they told guys like my dad, Hey, we're doing, we're going to nitro coupes only. You're yep. This is what we're doing. And my, oh, yep. I, I, don't, I, st- I don't think my dad's still gotten over that. <laughs> you got to put three at least three percent in the tank to make it smell like nitro yeah. methane, and you'd be surprised how much three percent actually will water your eyes when you're not used to it. And then at the end, we're tipping the thing up, trying to get you know the rule was thirty, but um, you know, rumor has it that Kuma's going way above thirty at most times, but the rule was thirty, so we got pretty good at going to tune up for thirty. But then we kind of jumped into uh, AMS. I don't know if you remember them oh, back yeah. when Dave Dave Wood. I actually drove his 57 and, and not one of the first uh, uh, exhibition NHRA events, but I think it was a, the second or third, maybe the second year at Gainesville. Uh, that's how we got started in the NHRA and then kind of went away for a while and got back in it and started running NHRA with our 57 that we had at the time of maybe five or about seven or eight years ago now. So we've been doing this pretty much full full steam for seven years on NHRA. You had circuit. a 55, though. Back in the we early a, days, right? 57. We, yeah, well, no, we had, we had a 55. That oh, had the okay. Hooters. It was the Hooters. Yeah, yeah the Hooters car. Yep. So that's I think, where a, we, I think that's, people will remember that one. 
that's before there was Hooters everywhere. And our, our deal was us being always the showman and marketeer and stuff, you know, there weren't Hooters everywhere. So what we would do is book match races in. I, I booked race, I booked match race, Scotty Cannon a number of times and a lot of different guys that I would say, okay, we'll bring the Hooter girls from the local Hooters and have them sign autographs. And one year in Norwalk at Night of Fire, that's when they had the Night of Fire too. So the the the, the Hooters fifty five, we could qualify in the top eight of the top sportsmen to wow. get into the Night of Fire. And that's when we had the Hooter girls there at Norwalk. I must have sold thousands of T shirts one night. You know, it's just <laughs> and you're and you're lined. continuing that on now. You've got the you got the D wagon girls or the or the uh, what's your current sponsor? Steiner. Yeah, Steiner. 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 Yeah. Steiner. Yeah. Yeah. Steiner guys. Steiner so, girls. So. Yeah, so we use the girls for our hospitality, right? So uh, the deal with Steiner, they, they we buy in their VIPs, uh, ground support equipment of airports, because obviously wherever we go, there's an airport. And matter of fact, Topeka, you can see it from here. Yeah, you can see there's it. An air, there's an airport. So we're going to have guests in for that buy ground support equipment from Steiner. And then uh, that's those the girls' job to make sure the hospitality, go get them at the gates, give them the tickets, bring them to the pit area, make sure they're you know, taken care of. And so that's their role and stuff associated with that. Plus doing social media. So it kind of works hand in hand, everybody, you know, it, it's a, it's a good, good way to, uh, you know, get the customers involved and have everything work out for the weekends. What do you make of ProMod as a whole? Talking about how you've seen this thing from the top sportsman days to the Nitro Coupe movement. And we've seen this sport, you know, this particular type of drag racing take on a lot of different shapes and forms, right? Obviously, the AMS staff leasing series uh, started there in like 2000 exhibition series inside the NHRA. Uh, small car count. I think it was like an eight car field. They'd get 12, 13, 14 cars. Then we see the ADRL explode on the scene. And there's been the XDRL and there's the PDRA in MCA and ProMod mod is at the heart and soul of so many of these different sanctions and series did you ever see that or forecast that back in those early days that this could be something that because i john four the third a longtime photographer of ours here at drag illustrated he's challenged me on a couple of occasions he goes man there's nothing like pro mod there's not a yeah. you know there's not pockets of uh, pro stock cars racing all over the country every weekend. There's not pockets right. of, of nitro funny cars in not to the level that we see in, in pro mod. Do you find it as unique and are you at as all as I do? And are you at all surprised? I'm a little surprised that it's gotten where it is. You know, at one point, you know, pro mod was like you said, it kind of goes in cycles as well. But back when we were running super Chevy, you know, we were on TV on ESPN two all the time and ESPN and back to, you know, you guys idea of personality of the person and not the race car. That's what that show had as well was, you know, everybody would actually come to the Super Chevy show to see the Nitro Coots and see the drivers. Um, so that kind of gained a lot of momentum back in the day. And then when, you know, obviously IHRA started the Pro Mod series off, off Top Sportsman, kind of grew, grew some more. Uh, but, and I've raced them all, you know, I've raced IHRA Pro Mod, I've raced ADRL, XDRL, name your DRL, and I've been there. But really, but really NHRA is where we see the bang for the buck for the sponsors and, you know, bringing the customers in and showing them the entertainment uh, value associated with, with drag racing and, and, and how we can do the hospitality and stuff. So, yeah, I've seen it explode. I've seen it contract. And nowadays, I think, I hope we're back on that upswing for NHRA for pro mods and uh, hope to hope it stays here for a while. It, it does feel like we're it, it, it things are coming back around. Uh, and let's let's focus specifically on the series that you're most intimately involved in, the Fuel Tech NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing Series presented by D Wagon. Um, 
what do you what's your take here at the mid, midpoint of the season? There's been a lot of hubbub over rules. Um, we've seen a lot of people change combinations and lots of talk about combinations. Um, we've, we've got this shootout coming up in two weeks at, uh, Brainerd, uh, in Brainerd, Minnesota, the D wagon shootout, 25,000 to win the many of the top points earners will be there contending for that prize on, on, I believe it's going to conclude on Friday Saturday. night, right? Saturday. No, night. Okay. First, excuse me. Yeah. First round's Friday night. And then Saturday's yeah. the, is the race. Okay. So what, what, it, I mean, how do you feel about this, this, uh, the state of the union, so to speak for NHRA pro mod? I know the rules, like I said, had some folks up in arms, but things seem to be kind of stabilizing. I think they're stabilizing. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, NHRA leaves the rules alone for a while. And so everybody can get their, the gist of how it's going to shake out for the next three or four races, at least maybe, you know, just something after Andy, if something's still askew, um, I know, and it's hurt our car count. And unfortunately, you know, where <laughs> here again, rules are rules. And I understand everybody wants to be competitive and stuff. We're just, you know, we're just trying to make sure that the class is sustainable. And to do that, I guess you got to have the rules package that everybody wants to play with. And that's a hard thing to do since we have so many combinations that you can do. You know, I, since since we're doing this, I'm thinking and we're adding all these combinations and I see where NHRA is going to allow fuel funny car now and top top alcohol. Shoot, we might as well have a pro. We might as well put that in pro mod too, right? Or I can have nitro injected pro mod. I mean, hey man, we've seen a couple of them. We've seen a couple attempts, right? I mean, we've seen a couple of attempts at that, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it it feels like that's kind of the thought process. Is let's see how opened up we can get. Um, but do you what, what do you think is the biggest deciding factor? Um, is it that air of competition that they feel that the the playing field is level and that they have a chance to win? Uh, or is it, are there other factors? Is it about payout? Is it about, because I, I, I put a lot of emphasis personally on something that you mentioned earlier about value for sponsors, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know that there's a bigger stage for door slammer racing than it, that, than what exists at this moment than what exists within the NHRA. I mean, it's a great place to take your guest. It's a great place to to do a hospitality. The place is packed. There's all sorts right. of people there. There's all sorts of other brands there. I'm surprised that isn't enough for some of these guys. Well, they don't need it, Wes. When you look at them, yeah, we're, point. you know, there, there's a very few of us that actually have, you know, names real on sponsors. the side of, yeah. yeah, real sponsors that are actually, it's not my company, right? I'm actually you know, supporting a company associated with the car. So it gets down to, it gets down to uh, the rules, right? Why do I want to go play when I'm not competitive? I've got no gist. I don't have to be there. You know, we, we look at each other and go, wow, we got to go to Tulsa and Brainerd. That's a long ways, but we got to be there. Right. right. Whereas, right. Whereas these guys are sitting around the shop going, we can't be competitive. Why do I want to drive, you know, 20 hours and not be competitive. I don't have to be there. So that's what ends up happening. So I think the rules have a lot to do with it. You know, yeah, there's other factors in there of how we get treated, where we're parked, you know, et cetera, et cetera, the payout, et cetera. But, you know, the payout thing is is now a mute point in my opinion. I mean, we, we get $35,000 purse per event. So you get, basically you qualify, you get your entry fee back plus uh, just for qualifying and your chances to win the money above that. So. You know, it's it's with thirty five thousand per ten races. That's three hundred fifty thousand dollars purse for the for the series for and not including the points. Now we have the D wagon shootout on top of that. It is twenty five thousand purse, but it's a purse. So we're giving ten to the winner all the way down. We're trying to pay everybody, incentivize them to come to Brainerd, right? I know it's not that much, but diesel fuel prices, so everybody gets some money. 
the, the winner is going to get 10 grand, but we're really looking forward to it. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, Tom at, uh, cold hard art. He does a lot of this, but he's doing a trophy Great for us for, yeah, he's doing a trophy for us for the D wagon shootout. So it's going to be a Tom special that we're going to present at the, at Brainerd for the, uh, for the shootout. So the winner's going to get that something special to have. So, and, and you're right. I think this is the first, uh, shootout that NHRA's had for pro mod. So, we, we hope to make a statement associated with this. Uh, NHRA and Fox just announced that they're going to have a special show on the shootout. So not only are we going you get our normal show at Brainerd on FS2, we're also before that going to have a whole half hour show on the D-Wagon shootout. So they're trying to do some other things associated with it to try to bring us to the forefront of, of uh, NHRA and Fox Sport as well. Does that feel, I mean, that's got to feel good, right? I mean, just to feel like you're included, to have those conversations, because that's something that seemed to have been lacking in years past. It's kind of like um, the NHRA not really wrapping their arm around this ProMod community the way maybe they should have. But it feels like times have changed. And I think one of our biggest challenges here in the coming months will be just to change the narrative, right? I mean, because you right. made a great point. Everybody thinks, I mean, there was some news stories that circulated in early in the year that, you know, there wasn't any purse for the Gator Nationals, blah, 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 blah. But it's like crickets right now when there's $350,000 up for grabs. It's like, where's the outcry, you know, of, of optimism and positivity that, hey, man, there's a $35,000 purse at every NHRA national event. I, I do think that the NHRA is tasked with telling that story a little more effectively because we've got to change that narrative. Everybody thinks that it's a pay-to-play country club. Uh, there's no money up for grabs. It's it's all bad, but that's not even remotely close to the case. No, not anymore. It used to be, as you recall, you had mm-hmm. to you know either bring a sponsor with you to buy an event or something like that or have enough points to get in here. I got in here because I went to Comp Eliminator and got points. But uh, nonetheless, it's not like that anymore. You can, if you've got a Pro Mod license and your car passes tech, you can buy an, uh, a tech card and come compete with us. So, you know, it's not like that anymore. And like I said, the pay is there. The 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 enta- entertainment aspect is there. So if you're looking to get a sponsor, this is the place to be. So maybe you don't have one now. I think if you come over to NHRA, show them the benefit, show companies the benefit of what you can provide them, then the sponsor will come. So maybe it kind of goes hand in hand to take advantage of NHRA from a standpoint of, of that, that phase as well. Well, we've got over a dozen cars on the entry list, Doug, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. And I think that we all kind of have to take it upon ourselves to tell this story just repeatedly. I know there are people, I say this a lot, but it's, you have to say it a lot. You have to say it a thousand different times in a thousand different ways because there's so much going on that it's hard to ensure that you caught that person at a moment when they were listening. They were probably listening to a podcast or watching a video, right? Or sending a text or checking their email. So it's, you got to say it a lot if you want to, you want to cut through. But uh, right now looking at the NHRA uh, entry list for Topeka, we got over a dozen cars. I mean, are any surprises for you? Anything that you think we're going to see this weekend in Topeka that may be unusual? I mean, that's typically a challenging environment. Um, you know, depends often depending on the time of year, but I anticipate it being a relatively challenging environment. We've seen this event provide some really crazy moments in the sport of drag racing. I think about, uh, Jeremy Ray's unfortunate accident there. We've seen some wild stuff. What's, what's your take on the weekend? Anything you think we're, are there any surprises you think that we're going to, uh, see? It's going to be really interesting to see how this hot weather, because it's supposed to be 100 degrees, I think, here one day. 
Now yeah. I don't know what the I don't know what the water grains is going to be associated with that, but it'd be interesting to see how that's going to affect the screw blowers in the sixty five over from the seventy five. You know, is it going to affect that more than it would a Roots or a Pro Charger? I don't know. You know, I think that's a, the unknown to find out associated with the twelve cars that we got here. Is, is the screws still going to be able to compete at sixty five over? I think. But unfortunately, I think Stevie may be the only one that has a screw here. Is if by looking at the uh, at the twelve entries right, correct? And unfortunately, that's what it was surprises to me too. Was I only have twelve cars? I tried and tried for the D wagon shootout because of this Topeka to Brainerd back to back. You know, trying to get cars to come to make sure that we had a full field. It didn't happen, uh, and I understand why it didn't happen. Some guys wanted to be here, but schedules just didn't permit it. It's a long haul for a lot of us um, out here to Topeka, but, uh, you know, we're going to make the best of it and it's going to be, you know, 12 cars here in Topeka. Hopefully I have more than that coming up to uh, Minnesota at Brainerd for the shootout. If not, we'll make it a 12 car shootout. So whatever the case may be, we're going to make uh, the best out of it and, uh, and hopefully put on a good show. Man, when I look at it though, and I, I truly believe you've got some of the baddest dudes on the planet earth showing up here, right? So for whatever you lack in quantity, you more than make up for in quality of cars because it's, to me, it's still without question that the ultimate final proving ground for door slammer drag racing is the FuelTech NHRA Pro Mod Series, right? I mean, that's, it's quarter mile. It's like the last remaining quarter mile series. It is right. not for the faint of heart. It's five seconds, 250 miles an hour. It's cars, uh, a variety of different cars, all the best drivers, all the best tuners and crew chiefs. I, I mean, it's a wonder uh, I mean, I hate that situation for you, Doug, because I know you've really tried hard to make sure. But I do think the tide's turning. I truly do. And I think if if the series stays the course, y'all will be rewarded for it. I truly believe it. Yeah, to your point, you know, there's no ducks out here. So no. it's kind of a funny story. Back when we have 18, 19 cars, you know, you know, one or two or three cars are going to go home. And we, you know, we'll qualify and we'll go into the last session. We'll be like number 12 and we'll still be scared, you know, chitless that we're going to get bumped because you know everybody behind you is more than capable of jumping ahead of you from number 12 spot so you know and but that's to your point that there is no ducks here and and you know even though there is 12 cars it's it's the it's the end frontier for nhr pro mod we think quarter mile racing I couldn't agree more, Doug. Well, hey, dude, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us on Wednesday afternoon. Always good to hear from you. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in Brainerd for the D-Wagon shootout. I think it's going to be uh, a great deal for the sport of drag racing. Brainerd deserves a hell of a show. That's a great, incredible fan base that exists in the sport of drag racing. I'm glad to get up there and see everybody in the zoo and everywhere else yeah. they roam up there. So thanks, Doug. Be safe this weekend. Good luck. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Talk soon, brother. All right, guys, I want to remind you all real quick. You ready? One more reminder before we call it a day here on the West Buck Show. I want to remind you that the West Buck Show is brought to you by FlowRacing.com. If you're a drag racer or a drag racing fan, you got to get on board with Flow Racing. The world leader in sports live streaming, Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy, and Sweet 16, every stop on the PDRA and NMCA tours, Funny Car Chaos, World Cup Finals, uh, the always popular streetcar super nationals in Las Vegas and much, much more. The platform provided by flow racing is changing the sport of drag racing for the better. And there's no limit to the good they can do here. So log on to flowracing.com right now and join the movement. Mike, I know you lost power there a minute ago. Are you back with us? Or are you back, back among, amongst back. the living? What happened to you guys? Thunderstorms. Lost power. Wednesday. He said, yeah, every Wednesday. Thunder 
Every, every Wednesday, Wednesday. thunderstorms. Yeah. It, it, it never fails. It never Dude, fails. we you need just, some. You look, you just look at your watch, and then and then just pull an umbrella out, and then we got plenty of rain here. I think the only place with more <laughs> rain is uh, anywhere Tyler Crossno is. Yeah, good That's point. True. Good point. Um, guys, <laughs> look, here at the, the last part of the show, uh, again, I want to thank everybody for being happy a part hour. of this. We had a hell of a crowd here. But let's do about 15, 20 minutes of happy hour, go around the room. I don't have a cocktail, so I'll just sip the remnants of my I'll drink uh, for you. Coke Zero. Thank you. Um, so let's just go around the room here real quick. Um, Chris Harris in the comments, NHRA would crap their pants if there was gambling on the line. I missed that one. That was a, that's a good comment. Chris Harris has got all the comments today. I haven't seen him, man. Hey, Andy Cowan. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it, man. All right. So what do you guys got for me? We didn't get to talk earlier about Funny Car Chaos. We didn't get to really talk about the Northeast Outlaw Pro Mods. Um, I was taking notes. We didn't really talk a whole lot about Norwalk. Um, we got a comment here. Sick week 2023. Are we coming? 100%. I'll be there. I intend to be there with a car to race. Um, I don't know that it'll be like a race car per se. Uh, it's just hard telling at this point. I may take my Camaro, um, which is basically bone stock, but just to participate and be involved. But I anticipate, uh, that was one of the best. I ripped my arm off. I've got a freaking uh, massive L scar, which my daughter reminds me all the time is stands for loser. You know, Sophia yeah, says that you got it written on your arm, dad, loser. loser. Um, but even though I got injured, during that event, it still is like my highlight of 2022. Like I had fun. a freaking ball hanging out with you guys, beating up and down the highways and byways of America, getting lost. I mean, I felt really bad one night. I, I led um, uh, Alex Taylor and her dad several miles in the wrong direction in the middle of the night. And we had to do a U-turn on a dark two-lane road in the middle of nowhere, Florida. Um, it's just, it was a memory-making experience. And I got to say, actually, Chris Harris, I tore my bicep tendon um, completely off the bone while trying to yank uh, a slick off the back of Joe Barry's 55 Chevy. Um, you know how it is. 56. You, 56 when, bicep, yeah, when, when biceps are really, really small, it doesn't, right. doesn't have yeah. much really stressing it as much as yeah. possible to get that I, I can't help but get involved when i go to deals like that that's why i can hardly go to a drag race and not have like a dog in the fight because this is fact. if wes has got like a radar anybody swinging a motor in any of the pits anywhere he's there he's he's in there he's he's getting his hands i dirty. love it dude i mean i it's my favorite thing i mean i literally if 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 there if we could just arrange a pit thrash like out in front of my office building right now, I'm in. Like hotter the better, more miserable. There's just an energy about it. Some of my favorite drag racing moments are amidst Mike. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you're up against the you know you're up against it, backs oh, yeah. against the wall, uh, insurmountable odds, and you rally together uh, with your brothers and sisters in arms, and you you give it a go. It's I can it's my remember. favorite thing. All right, guys come to the lanes 15 minutes and like we got we got both heads off both heads off <laughs> this yeah. motor pistons laying everywhere we're like there's no way we can get this together in 15 minutes and you Somehow, can ask i mean we, i saw it did. from and it's like the people we can't help but turn that into a competition right i saw this right. i was making a post on dragillustrated.com earlier this week and it was like justin ashley's post-race report from elon warner and i'm reading through it looking for like some killer quotes and he's like the real number for our team 47 minutes or whatever, right? Um, and I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? And I continue reading. Well, he was talking about how quickly they got the car turned around. Like, it, I mean, he was celebrating that. 
right? Like, hey, no matter we lost in the second round or whatever, but man, we turned that bad boy around in 42 minutes or whatever the number was. And it's just, we, it's that case for everybody. When you are, you turn it into a race, you turn it into something that you want to get done as quick as possible. I mean, even at, uh, when we were at that stop on sick week 22, we were in Valdosta, Georgia at Ozzy Moya, South Georgia Motorsports Park, right? A very legendary racing facility. And there was no rush whatsoever, but it's, you know, you know, people just going crazy, flying around, trying to get Joe Barry's car switched over from race trim to street trim and get Alex uh, Taylor's car uh, bandaged together so they could make the drive to, to Ocala. I mean, we just everybody dives in and it's probably one of my funnest uh, favorite memories. Definitely yeah, my favorite. Gonna uh, we're, I'm going to be there gonna for be the there whole bit. Year. Me and JT and it does. Chris Harris, to be fair, when a slick hangs up yeah. on the threads, it just dead stops. Well, you know how you have to rock them, especially when they have low quarter panels like those 56 Chevys, 55, 56 Chevys. I mean, any door car can be those a little bit of a pain to get, to get off. off. But, dude, trying to get a big tire off a car like that with a really low wheel well, uh, wheel opening, that's a nightmare, man. The thing might as well have side skirts on it or whatever because it was <laughs> almost impossible to get off. And I finally got it almost rocked off there, right? And I give one more tug of it and I get queasy, like lightheaded. I hear this snap. I actually hear, it sounded like tearing denim, like tearing, ripping jeans. It's, I, I compared it to someone dragging a floor jack across an asphalt floor, you know, like just, <laughs> and then I got dizzy and the next thing I know, um, yeah, I was headed to uh, the airport because I couldn't get to a hospital. It's a long story. Anyways, still a highlight of 2022 and I think we got to do the whole thing again. Um, we had an absolutely fantastic time. I think that that's a group of people that recognize some of what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's a party. It's a good time. I mean, they had entertainment wrapped in, they threw a party uh, the night before the deal kicked off at Cletus McFarland's freedom factory down there next door to Bradenton motorsports park. They had cool stops along the way, cool restaurants that they would do events at, and they just made it fun for people. Like there's obviously an air of competition. People wanted to win. They had killer trophies made and everything about it was badass. But it was more about being a part of it. It was more about the expense, uh, the, the adventure and the experience. And I, man, I look around the world right now in events across the board. That's the play, right? Like payouts. Great. Um, big money, obviously an important part of it, but a really memorable experience is what's driving the bus, man. No doubt. About it. So yeah, my answer uh, to that. I'm going to take my golf cart and beer wagon and drive around. Oh dude, that would be good. So. Yeah, that would be good. It. How about this? Uh, Kevin Stevenson says, hey, Greg Fergus, thank you, man. We really appreciate it. Kevin Fer uh, Stevenson says, Tulsa is going to be a madhouse this weekend. New car debuts, Top Fuel and Alex showing up. It sounds like they've canned the Top Fuel exhibition, correct? Uh, that sounds that's that what we yeah. heard. I, I yeah, believe. that's what I've been told. Scott Palmer, uh, NHRA yeah. Top Fuel star. I mean, uh, understandable. I do think there's just some concern right now of, of, of making – uh, more dangerous and already inherently dangerous thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's no secret at this point that unfortunately uh, the, the drag racing and high performance car community lost uh, one of our members over the weekend. Ryan Fellows unfortunately passed away uh, in an accident during filming uh, for whatever the season they are on of Street Outlaws America's list or Fastest in America, whatever it's called. Uh, They're filming in Las Vegas, tragic accident. Um, and I think it just... Those moments uh, and our hearts, everybody here at Drag Illustrated, our hearts uh, go out to everybody that was affected, uh, impacted by this. Our entire sport is impacted by this, to be honest with you. I think that 
this is, I've mentioned it a lot, but this is a uniquely passionate group of people. There's a real sense of community, even though we all kind of operate differently and we all run in certain circles. We're all racers at our core. And I think our, the entire industry, the entire community mourns when things like this happen. Uh, heartbreaking moment. But I do think it just took the wind out of the sails of that entire group right now. I can't imagine going from Vegas and, you know, in that situation unfolding before your eyes and then going right into, um, you know, kind of the big restart of the No Prep Kings season. They've been off for the better part of a month. It, it was weird. We talked about No Prep Kings almost nonstop, and then it was just a screeching halt, right? They took a yeah. summer break, which I believe is smart. Great move. Um, that's why I think we're seeing a lot of the testing, combination agreed. changes. And it, it's I, I do feel like it's smart, especially in a No Prep situation to take off that hottest part of the summer. Yeah, I think it's really smart. Speaks to the seasonality of some of this stuff. We've been talking about it with radio racing all year long, right? Like you may as well know what you are, right? And yep. radio racing, as an example, it's seasonal. That's something that you can do early in the year or late in the year. You need good conditions. You need um, uh, manageable temperatures to make it a great race. So I don't think it's any huge surprise or shock to see No Prep Kings take this take one is of the it? most intense and, summer months off. And Mike Bowman is. He has his new car uh, this yep. weekend, and Kevin Stevenson sent us a clip of a test hit on it. I'll play it here. Well, I would never be able to hear again. Yeah, that was loud. <laughs> I don't know why that was yeah. so loud. Oh my goodness, we gotta. Yeah, um, but and it, it, I think it actually blew my speakers out. Possibly, awesome. Yeah, I think it, I think it blew my headphones out. <laughs> you finally honestly. did it, JT. I finally, finally did, did it, man. Yeah, um, yeah. It literally blew my speakers out. Like they're not working anymore. That's uh, hilarious. Anyways, dude, this is. I I think it's exciting, but it is going to get things interesting in a hurry because now all of a sudden we've got a slew of new purpose-built hot rods, right? These aren't cars that – these aren't old back-half cars that are being, you know, modified to fit the that, rules. That's a pro-charge combination, is it not? Yes, that's a pro-charge yeah, combination. Which is a, de yeah. a departure for Mike, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he's always been a turbo guy, you turbo know, guy. I mean, he's been a turbo guy, but earlier this year he, uh, made the move to a pro charge combination just for the tunability of it. You hear this a lot, but it's, it's a much more manageable f power adder, right? It's a much oh, yeah. li more linear power adder. Um, it's, uh, especially eighth mile, especially in eighth mile competition. And I think it's, it just lends itself to the no prep arrangement. I'm surprised to see these guys all making the move to, to screw blowers. Yeah. You would think I, it would oh, follow Kevin says he's the, been, the person Kevin says that's he's the been most for a year and a half. Oh yeah. Maybe. It, yeah. I guess it was middle of last season when he made that move. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, you would think that more people would be following the path of the most dominant guy out there with Ryan and the pro charger combination. But yeah. yeah and the, the, the screw blower, I, again, we say screw blowers ruin everything. I think they just have so much power to burn that it gives you just that much of a window. Yeah. I, there's some great comments here and it's a hundred percent true. I, I think that you've got really high end pro chargers that there's a limited, a number of, right. And it's funny cause we've seen this happen in roots with roots, superchargers in NHRA pro mod competition. 
You've got Al Billis does a blower. You've got Mike Janis does a blower. You've got Chuck Ford does a blower. Um, and, and if you don't have one of those, you know, premier programs, you're probably, you know, you're, you're racing for second place by and large. And I think there's a certain amount of that going on with if you weren't able to get the latest, greatest pro charger, of which there was a limited inventory, you were kind of looking around for options. And that option, without question, is a screw blower. They're um, notorious re- notoriously reliable. Um, there was a moment here where they n- were not readily available. But I wouldn't be at all surprised to see more and more and more people go that way. There's a ton of data around that combination, right? People have been running them forever, right, on alcohol funny cars and outlaw pro mods and top alcohol dragsters. So, I mean, it's there's a lot of data to lean on. There's a lot of parts I just, I'm not surprised, but I do believe that everywhere those things go, they cause problems. Um, and we've seen it in NHRA Pro Mod recently. We've seen it in other sanctions and series. Maybe it will be lesser when they're more reeled in. We've seen them cause a lot of problems in no rules type of situations, but they are massively efficient. They don't create as much heat um, as some of these massively limited roots blowers do. So it's Marty Robertson and company and the Badfish Racing Camp won't be the last team we see switch to a screw blower. That's for sure. Do you right. do you guys hear me talking with this about uh, talking about this with Alex Laughlin? I do wonder though, at what point do you start to lose? And don't get me wrong, I know that the ship has already sailed, but when you've got teams changing engine combinations between events, right? I mean, we saw Justin Swanstrom switch from blower to pro char- or pro charger to a screw blower essentially overnight seeing the same thing from Marty Robertson and company personally, and I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but that doesn't, it's not super relatable, right? I mean, are they getting over center here faster than anticipated? I think it's kind of right on schedule. I feel like this has been coming. Someone made a good comment. I think it was Scott Malpass in the, in the comments that NPK is peaking right now, like lights out seven. And, and I think that that's a pretty good observation. We've been saying that, that once the stuff kind of comes in and it, and it goes over center, it's going to happen quickly. So we'll see. We talked about the top fuel thing. We talked about these uh, Manny Bajinga and et cetera, wanting, wanting into the invitational Marty. We'll see how quickly all of this actually happens and, and how it goes over center. But it, it is somewhat concerning. Uh, but I also think, though, that a lot of these, especially any non-nitrous combination it's kind of based around the same platform, all of these boosted combinations. So I think that you're seeing maybe some advancements or willingness to, to just like, like what Swastron did, just, you know, take a, take his, his, uh, his block and, and put the induction on the top instead of out front. Right. And I think that that is something that we're going to see more and more of, but it it definitely, it definitely uh, is concerning. But I I find it concerning. at the same time, though, um, for for drag racing as a whole sport, they've brought the casual fan that watched the show, okay, that watched the original Street Outlaws show, and they have now almost transformed that fan into now watching uh, the No Prep Kings, which a lot of badass hot rods are on there, right? You know, drag cars. I mean, so they they've taken this casual fan and now they've made them a fan of more drag racing style at a track and i mean that's that's a great thing no oh, yeah no doubt to, to, to bring all those people over this far because his now because now you know say a pro mod race isn't unrelatable to that to that fan now you know and they've they probably learned a lot along the way watching the show 
But with the OG show, you see them making this big step back in time, so to speak, right? By going back to the small tire cars, trying to get right. more recognizable stuff. So it seems like they recognize that it's escalating rapidly. Because I wonder well, got, how many seasons no away we kings. are. And they've got small no tire stuff. Now, you know, for, for, for the... For the you know the crazy cars, I guess you'd say. You know, for the, for something that's that's more purposely built, yeah. And 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 for the track, so they they've got that over here with no prep kings. So you can go back to the OG style, I think, over here. Yeah, you can. A lot of times, I think it's important to be willing to do that. That's something that you don't see race promoters willing to do very often. Is press the rewind button. Um, mm-hmm. I remember one time I got a call. I got a call from. Uh, it was somebody involved with the PDRA and it was early on in the formation of that new sanction and series. And it was like one of those, what would you do questions? It was kind of open-ended and I couldn't help but tell him I would run it back. And the guy goes, what do you mean? And I said, it's gotten too far out of control too fast and we need to hit the reset button and it's not going to be fun for everybody. Nobody's going to be setting career record or career best maybe for a year or two, but we need to take this thing back in time because you get all this money that came in at that time. It was a bunch of foreign money, right? It was the Alanabi teams and the Q80s and the whatever else. There was a slew of Bahrain one. There was all this money coming in from overseas, buying the best of everything, buying the best tuners, buying multiple spares, the latest and greatest, the lightest weight, all these things, and it took something that was already completely out of control, and it just made it way worse almost overnight. And it felt like, you know, and you saw people letting their cars sit on jack stands. You saw people selling out. You saw people going sportsman racing, um, going bass fishing, or whatever else. And it was the only way, in my opinion, in those moments to go back. You got to run it back a little bit. I think that that's some of the magic of the Midwest Drag Racing Series, and I don't think that group gets the credit they deserve is not being so wrapped up in setting records every weekend, right? Like there's a lot of these sanctions in series. We used to joke and get frustrated about it when people acted like Donald Long's events didn't happen at all if there wasn't a new world record. Or couldn't remember who the winner was. Only yeah, who I mean, flew through the air and who set a record. Yeah, who set a yeah. record and who had a terrible crash. And it was like the the winning and going rounds had become, I don't know, completely underappreciated and i think that like midwest drag racing series specifically with their pro mod category i can't speak to every they run a lot of different cars they got funny cars they got all sorts of stuff going on but specifically with their pro mod class they don't have an index per se they don't have a breakout but they kind of have a target et and they recognize that if we can keep all these cars running like let's let's just say mid to high 360s and low 370s we can be a we can provide a great place to race for a whole lot of people and try to keep it from getting completely out of control like we've seen there's a couple of you know extinct dinosaurs a couple of classes that you can point to that have kind of gone the way of the dodo and it's because of this rapid escalation i look at adrl uh, and pdra at pro extreme right and then there's also the uh, radial versus the world, where it was, it was almost like a race to the bottom. Like who could get to zero elapsed time, and it was winning and losing had become uh, second, secondary to setting records. And I, I think every part of drag racing could benefit from recognizing they had spe- speed week. It got canceled, unfortunately. I was planning on going, but speed week in Bonneville. If you want a land speed race, they they give. There's places to do it. Right. I mean, there's places to go set world records. There are places to go compete against yourself. I don't know that every drag strip under the sun needs to be that. And I think it falls on all of us 
to be more excited about, I mean, ask Manny Bajinga and some of these guys that have won a five-round race. Ask Mike Bowman. Ask, you know, some of these guys that have won five rounds of eliminations. Ask any of these back-of-the-track guys that have had to go through 120 cars. Ain't none of those dudes setting career bests. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, They're yeah. basically racing on a gravel road. But, man, it's racing. It's about competition. And I, I really do think that that is one of the issues that, that gets us to the bottom quick, quickly is this kind of unrelenting desire to, to, to keep pushing and pushing. Funny car, top fuel. Right now, people may not realize, but those classes are both basically index classes, right? With the advent of the, the rev limiter in top fuel and funny car, I mean, that's like a funny car is a 385 class and top fuel is like a 365 class, 320, 370 class. And I would argue that the, the action is as good as it has ever been. But let's be honest, they interviewed on the television broadcast, the Fox uh, broadcast just a couple of weeks ago. They asked, um, uh, gosh darn it, I'm drawing a blank on his name, Robert Heights uh, crew chief. Um, Jimmy Proc. Jimmy Proc. Um, I was thinking Jeff Proc, but that's his brother, the nitrous guy, applied nitrous technology, a longtime friend of Drag Illustrated, right down the road from Mike's house in Mooresville, North Carolina. Shout out to uh, Jeff and Dita Proc. Anyways, Jimmy Proc, he said right on the broadcast on Fox in front of God and everyone else that, hey, man, we're not probably going to go 340. You know, they, they, they changed the header, the way the headers are laid back. Um, with the rules we have now, we're probably not going to see one of these cars run 340, maybe a funny car. Um, and I found that interesting that they wanted to make that point because I don't give a shit. You know, like it's great if it happens, great. But I don't know that I would have put that on TV, you know, because I'm going, I mean, I don't know that I would tell everybody we're never going to break that record. You know what I mean? Like, let, let that hang out there maybe, but it doesn't detract from the action at all. In my, I mean, I want to see heads up drag racing, side by side competition, I get it. I love the numbers. You see me post all these graphics on social media, and I get that stats are a big part of sports, but they're not the only part of sports. Yeah. I mean, it, the stats mean shit if you don't win. Yeah. I mean, in, in every other sport, I mean, really, I mean, maybe your next I mean, contract, but I agree. I mean, look at all goes, the hate you guys give yeah. me with freaking um, uh, LeBron James. I mean, he's got all the stats, right? Well, I mean, he's a stat sheet yeah, filler or whatever. But the first thing everybody says not, not is, like, hey, this Michael dude, Jordan's, but right. Yeah. I mean, he he did. How many rings has he got, yeah. right? And I look at round <laughs> wins. That's why I've been hyper um, aggressive with promoting these round win stats that we've been able to muster up with the help of the NHRA. Because man, that's what I'm talking about. I want to know that Erica Enders is 8.57 for the season so far. Right. That's incredible. Crazy. That's crazy. Right. That's absolutely insane. I want to know. I went through and figured out the win percentages for every active NHRA promo driver last night. I mean, Jose Gonzalez is 70 percent career. Right. He's won 70 percent of the races that he's been in. That's, crazy. That's incredible. That's he's wild. 52 yep. and 22. Stevie Jackson. Same thing. Stevie Jackson's 94 and 42. He's won 69 percent of the races that he's been in, he's won them. And I, I think that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the guys who are difference makers, the guys who win more often than they lose. That needs to be more of the storyline. And we get ourselves in trouble when everybody gets all, you know, up in arms about who's going to run 340s, who's going to run 350. I just, I think it's a, it's a bad thing. All right, guys, what else do we got? Yep. I think we about Turbo got it, buddy. Let's wrap her I think up. We got it covered. Jimmy Proc is a tuning god. Let's be honest that you have to limit stuff. But yes, don't say you're going to make bracket cars 
Yeah, and I don't think we want to make bracket cars out of anything. You know what I'm saying? I think it, it's not a matter. It's just not being so wrapped up in setting records every single time out. When the stars and moon align and you get a record run, I think it's fantastic. But I don't think we need to go into every weekend expecting that and feeling that that's the only way that we can make a difference as a sport. So anyways, guys, I yep. think we've lost Mike. Um, JT, appreciate the time. Everybody, I want to tell you thanks for being a part of this deal. Each and every Wednesday, it seems like the crowd's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's an exciting thing to see. Um, I agree with Scott Malpass. I think we're about to see uh, the end, personally, of the Capco, Capco drought. I think we're going to see Steve Torrance in the win cir winner circle. If not in yep. if not in Topeka, he's going to get her done in Brainerd. I, I yep. really believe it's right there. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks a bunch. JT, thanks. Huge shout out to our guest, Alex Laughlin, Victor Alvarez, and of course, Doug Winters. Guys, we'll see you at the drag strip. And if not there, we'll see you next Wednesday right here on the West Buck Show, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, every Wednesday afternoon. Thanks, guys. See y'all.